hopefully not at all. <laughs> Bam, we're live. We're live. Uh, I, I was thinking this morning, um, I was like, oh, Emily's kind of a little bit like a fixer. But you know what? You know what's wrong with um, calling you a fixer is, um, did you ever see the show Ray Donovan? It's, it's basically a show about a guy who... Um, he works in the Hollywood scene and like if you're caught, let's say you're an actor and like you don't want the world to know you're gay, but there's some pictures floating around out there with, you know, a dick in your mouth or something. He <laughs> tries to hide those pictures. Right. But yeah. that's and I was thinking that's not what you do because we don't live in that era anymore. It's basically. You're like a real life fact checker. I, I think maybe yeah. like you're one of the only ones I know. You're not like a fake fact checker. You're like a real fact checker. Like people can there's so much lying and ambiguity out there in the world. And if people don't have the time to like to protect their name or to make sure that people aren't lying about them, um, you help. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that distinction because honestly, like I feel like when people ask me what I do on the sort of like Clio side of my life, I'm like, what's that called? What's the word you used? The firm I have is called the Clio group. So I like the idea of like, you're sort of correcting the record of history. Right. What's, wait, what's say that again. I talked over you. What's the background of that word, Cleo? What's it mean? She's the muse of history, the Greek okay. muse. Of history. Okay. And I think, like, I feel like I'm a lot of that work is doing the same stuff that I did as an investigative reporter. It's giving voice to the voiceless. Only the voiceless now are the canceled people who nobody wants to talk to. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, as a reporter, when I was coming up, we spent, I mean, I got a master's from Northwestern. We had to take classes in law. Like we had to learn how to fact check. The joke was always like, if your mom tells you that she loves you, you got to check it out. Like you don't believe anything. Right. 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 And now people are ripping like 10 stories a day. They don't have time to fact check anything. And I don't know what my dog sees out the window, but she's about your to dog is totally that. fine. This, this Your dog is totally fine. Is that statue closed? As long as that statue has clothes on it, we're fine. Yeah, no, there's no, no, yeah. No background YouTube checks. So. Um, yes, the the statue has a hey. token on. Um, and, and, I think like, you know, there's a lot of work that goes it. Like when I was a young reporter coming up, I wrote, I wrote for a daily newspaper. I wrote one story a day. I would have three weeks to work on a wrong, longer story. And the other big point that I like to make is that like the average age in a newsroom was 45. Now it's like 27. Right. So I had a bunch of like, you're not even newsrooms anymore. Right. That's a misnomer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I just think like I had all these angry old dudes yelling at me all the time. Like you didn't think of this or like you didn't talk to this person. Now it's like how many stories, like they're writing like 10 stories a day. They're not hanging out with cops. They're not going through court records. They're not fact checking anything. There's not even really any editing happening. Right. So they're like ripping. I mean, I see this in the New York times all the time. I'll get a press release on some health related thing. And like, they're literally writing off the press release. You'd get fired if you did that when I was a young cub reporter, right? It's just like so different. And so, I mean, I feel like one of the things that I've done, I mean, you know this, like obviously with Greg, but also with all a lot of people who with COVID who got kicked off of Twitter was go around and basically say like, how the hell are you saying that this person is misinformation? Do you even understand, you know, the difference between absolute risk and relative risk? Or like, why are you saying this is misinformation and not at least covering this side of it? And it, I mean, it's profoundly dangerous for this country, I think, to not have a free press and not have an independent voice of people who are smart enough to recognize when they're being misled. I mean, we saw this profoundly with Greg, right? Um, 
which will, uh, hopefully we'll get into all of that. But I think, you know, I don't think of myself as a fixer. I think of myself as a healer, you know, right? I like bringing people together. And I also, I don't want to malign the press. I mean, I think a lot of people think like, oh, they're on the take or whatever. They're just young and untrained and no one's helping them, but they're getting paid shit, right? Like they're not doing this because they're evil or they're trying to push some agenda forward. They're just easy to manipulate and people are doing that and no one's pushing back. I mean, I think like part of what I try to do is say like, the nature of research is such that you only know it's in front of you. And so if you apologize, then it's an admission of guilt, right? And if whereas if you say like, hold the phone, like that's not what I did, or that's not what I said, or I was simply questioning this thing. And now you're trying to like malign me. Like reporters get that on some level because they went into the field because they want to expose and they want to tell truth to power, but no one's giving them that and teaching them how to do it. So, I mean, I try really hard to work with young reporters because I think they're in it probably for the right reason. So they don't have anybody mentoring them, right? They don't have any of those angry old men anymore. They've all been canceled and kicked out of the newsroom. So there's no one, there's no grownups at the table, right? And that that really does a disservice to the industry. And then none of us trust them, right? So like, even when we read really good reporting, from my perspective, I'm like, fuck, I don't know. That's um, you know what? Did you, you know what? I really liked what you just said. When you say sorry, it validates it. It validates them. You know what else it does on the other side of that too? It um it validates the victim, meaning that like it justifies like you're 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 actually being a codependent. So when Joe Rogan apologizes for this whole slew of uh, racial slurs that he says, and they edit them together, they're basically all the people who were offended by it. They're saying they're when he says, sorry, he's not, he's also telling them, Oh yes, you should play the victim. Oh yes, you should play the victim. When they were all, every single one of them taken out of context, Mm -hmm. like they were never meant to hurt anyone's feelings. And if your feelings were hurt, that's your problem is the truth. It's, it's not his problem. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. The misuse of the word, sorry, it's, it's pathetic. It's sad. And I also think it's one of these things where, like, are we assuming that the public is so dumb they can't contextualize things, right? Well, that's like where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're taking the norm of 50 years ago and we're somehow applying modern day judgment to that action a long time ago without any of the nuance of like, well, you know what? It wasn't such a big deal before, right? And if it's, I mean, this is like the whole, there's a lot of this with the Me Too stuff that I find really, I mean, I think Me Too has been completely weaponized, right? So like, that's a totally different thing. But I think even in the nuance of like how, I mean, like watch like Mad Men, right? I mean, like these are accurate depictions of how women were treated in the workplace. They're not treated that way anymore, right? Are we going to go back and like, you know, take the statues down of like all the, you know, titans of industry because they mistreated women? Well, it wasn't mistreating women at that time. You have to understand that. And I think there's so much to be said for the progress we have made, right? On race, on gender, on all of these things. Like that should be celebrated. I feel this way about like a lot of the stuff being taught in schools right now, right? It's like if you're teaching kids about slavery or whatever, like that's great. But you know what the big takeaway is, is that we're the only country really in the world that has been a superpower without it, right? For two thirds of our history, we have not had slavery. We have not colonized other land. We wanted Alaska, we bought it, right? Like that's that changes the, like literally- the history of the world was about conquering land. And it part of that was taking people because labor is an asset, right? And like wh- that, it's a power dynamic. There's more and the abolitionists won. Let's not forget who won. 
That's right. And that's my point. The Republicans that- won. The Republicans won and the Democrats lost. It was it was a it was a clean split. 1860. Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican con- uh, president this country has ever had. Not a single uh, Republican slave owner. They won. And the Democrats how lost. How long ago was that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we we're approaching 200 years. Individual rights have never been stronger than they are today. Biggest right. melting pot in the world. Yeah, biggest melting pot. There's no other experiment going on like the United States. None. I mean, that's right? the take. I mean, that's what I feel like kids should be taught, right? Is like, yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Like we, we made some mistakes, we learned from them, and we're constantly revising and getting better because the individual is the most important thing in this country, right? Then I think it's lost. What should does- people read who don't know that? What do you think? What book should people read to There's understand? Actually, you met Roger Kimball at our last party, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was um, great. The guy with the funny hat, the 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 art critic genius. Yes, and he so he's become like a good friend, and he's so funny because when he came to the party, he was like, "What's the dress code?" And I was like, "Casual, like super California casual." And so his outfit was his casual outfit, right? Awesome, awesome. <laughs> the only thing casual about him was maybe like the drink he had in his hand, but I loved him. I loved his look. <laughs> he's so he's brilliant, and he's so easy to talk to. He's just a lot of fun. But he published a book. That was called Land of Hope. Um, and DeSantis actually adopted it and made it a mandatory part of the Florida curriculum. And it's now it's becoming a very popular, um, you know, sort of antidote to like what's being taught in regular history curriculums. And he doesn't shy away from the, you know, other stuff, the bad stuff, right? The history that we've learned from. But he doesn't create a victim mentality. He allows all America. I mean, he sort of tells the story of like Americans are the land of hope. Right. And there's a reason for that. Um, so I really like that. And what Roger did was he he published that book. And then when it became something where schools really wanted to use it, they um, basically turned it into a curriculum. So there's teacher stuff. So like anybody who's trying to teach their kids who's in a school system where they're not getting this kind of education, I would suggest that because they have student resources now and they have teacher resources. So it actually makes it really easy, um, which is exa- like Greg and I are hoping to actually copy that exact model with him for our program. Um, I read the long March. Mm. Actually, that's not true. I didn't read it. I listened to it. That's one of Roger Kimball's books. And if you, and I, and you know, I was a huge uh, hippie and read all the hippie uh, books, the Jack Kerouac books. And if you want to have uh, all of that shit ruined for you, read the long March. Mm-hmm. Man, he really lifts up the skirt on that thing. Whew. Or, or sorry, I don't mean to attack women. Uh, he really pulls the pants <laughs> down on that thing. Yeah, it's it, um, what an honest, what an, an another honest man. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to learn about individualism, it's important that people learn that because there's a, a selfish component, right? When you hear that, you're like, oh, those, that that means you're selfish. What individual rights? Yeah, individual rights. Sorry, individual you know, rights. What's funny is that I think there is this, like, again, I and this is like more of a philosophical conversation, but like, I think there's something that's really interesting about this idea, which obviously Greg and I are sort of obsessed with, with like consensus opinion taking over, right, rather than like rational fact. And mm-hmm. it, like, the founding of this country was really based on this idea of individual rights will produce a better collective, right? So the founding fathers are really clear, like, if we don't have an educated public. We're not going to have a democracy, right? You have to be able to think for yourself and you have to be able to think for yourself critically in order to make good choices, including like who you elect into office, right? And you can't have that if people aren't well-informed. And so I think they actually go together, even though they sound really different. I think it's like if you're about, you know, an individual's right to freedom, the pursuit of happiness, you're not guaranteed happiness, but you have the right to pursue it. 
right? We're not going to put roadblocks in your way. If you want to work hard and you want to contribute to your community, you have the right to do that, right? And the state can't get in your way and religion can't get in your way, right? And that creates a social contract. I mean, in the enlightenment sense of like, we do give up certain rights in order for the collective, but we've agreed to that. Right. I would argue that we're actually at a point, we're pretty close to a point where that social contract needs to be rewritten, mm-hmm. right? It's been taken away from us and actually individual rights are being taken away that we didn't agree to. Like I didn't agree for all these people that I know who are brilliant scientists and public health experts to not be allowed on Twitter, right? Right. I didn't agree to give up my right to assembly when you canceled my kid's school and you told me I couldn't go to my job anymore. Like those are big deal rights that we all just sort of surrendered Right. Because what we were told to like, that's about as like, terrifying. you have to take your kids have to take drugs to go to public school in California. You have to have a sign on your bathroom that says if you have an individual toilet bathroom, you have to have a sign on there that says um, uh, gender neutral. What about what about as things as simple as um, uh, not parking in front of fire hydrants? Is that social contract shit? Yeah. It, what that social contract? Right. We agree to give up certain rights. Pull because, over if an ambulance is behind you with its lights on. Yep. Right. I mean, th- those are part don't, of the Don't litter. Part. Don't litter. Yep. <laughs> you know, I mean, like the idea behind it really goes to this idea that like the more good we do collectively, the safer we are as individuals. A lot of it is safety based, right? Like we agree right, to right. have force. We agree to have laws, right? Like Take the injection so everyone's safe. Well, that's where the critical component of thinking comes in, right? Because if you if you're not able to critically think about the issues or process them, then you end up using that to turn against it. Now, all of a sudden, I'm saying, well, you're eliminating my safety because you're not following this agenda and you need to. And there's no critical thought or education about what's actually happening. There's just a narrative that's being pursued, right? Mm-hmm. Emily, what about uh, Dick Butter says, what if you drive faster than the ambulance? Is it OK to not pull over? <laughs> No, that's the problem, right? People like this guy. This guy's too much of a critical thinker. I like to drive behind the ambulance so you get through the traffic. (laughs) (laughs) Critical thinking, Dick Butter, see? (laughs) Hey, what's what's interesting, Emily, too, is we have the most well-informed society in the history of mankind, too, and yet we also have the most – There's some people are just drinking, I guess, from the wrong well. They're drinking the poison water. See, I don't know. I think we were way more educated when we had just sort of like – a basic rubric of a like curriculum, right? Like everybody, like you look at math standards, right? Like kids were able to do much harder math right. 50 years ago than they can do today. And like, we, I think that's actually part of this victim mentality. We keep dropping the standards saying like, Oh, you know, women don't score well on the SAT. Right. So it's a, it's a gender thing. The test is a, you know, is bad for women. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe we're not doing a good job teaching girls math, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that girls can't do math. And Was that math- really a thing about the SAT? Because don't women dominate the college scene now? Well, I know more women are going to med school than men, but okay. I think there has been a more of an emphasis on, but you know, I mean, the other thing, like I don't, we can get into this. I actually, when I, I so Tom Seafried, right? Who's a friend of ours, um, who we have dinner with sometime. We were, we had dinner with him recently and he was talking about how, some schools have colleges have their own um like basically like number of chinese students that they'll limit right because they pay in cash and they're good students and they come and they're great but it's pushing out slots for americans and i had a conversation with somebody who we all know 
Oh, so when you say Chinese, let's be real clear here. When you say Chinese, you mean Chinese citizens. Yes. Not Chinese ethnicity. Most of them are. But versus Americans. So this is different than affirmative action. Affirmative action is strictly based on skin color, ethnicity. Right. This is based on nationality. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But Important distinction. And just so everyone knows, Thomas Seafried is a friend of Emily's who I got to meet and a friend of Greg's who is the on the forefront and the foremost expert on planet Earth today on cancer as a metabolic disease, meaning uh, lifestyle choices. And, and he knows his books. What's his book? His book's crazy. Cancer as a metabolic disease. Cancer as a metabolic disease. Yeah. And save your money if you want to try to buy it. He also has a lot of really great YouTube videos. Okay. Um, what's interesting about him, I know this is like tangential from the Chinese thing. We'll get back to that. But like he, um, you know, it's actually, that's how I met Greg. I don't know if you know that, but Tom introduced us. I think I, uh, I, I think I was there the very first time y- you and your husband met Greg and Thomas was there. And we well, hung I, out just in those couches in the hotel lobby, just like where, like where the restaurant bar and lobby met. And we hung out like for hours there. Thomas was cool as shit. He, so I was working on a story about his work because I thought it was just like profound. I mean, he has the, for people who don't know, he has these really simple experiments that are called the nuclear transfer experiments where he takes the nucleus of a cancer cell and he moves it into a healthy cell because theoretically the modern, you know, sort of version of cancer is that it's all in the nucleus, right? It's a genetic disease. And what happens is you look at the healthy cell and it doesn't develop cancer. So then he does the same thing where he moves the mitochondria from a cancer cell to a healthy cell. And sure enough, it develops cancer. So like, just like if that's all he did, that would be profoundly upsetting to the status quo, right? How come he didn't win the Nobel prize for that? I hope he still does. I mean, I think it's remarkable how his ideas are now being adopted and no one's giving him credit for it but I feel like there's a whole history of scientific discovery that goes along with that um, trend. But I was working on a story about him and he was so funny because he was like at the end of, you know, hours talking to him in his office, I was like, what's, what does it take to solve this? Right? Like, what do you need? And he was like, I don't know, like $3 million. And I was like, $3 million. Like, can't we get that tomorrow? Like what's, what's the hold up? Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I'm in a lab. And I'm like, I'm not a fundraiser. Like, I don't know how to do any of that. He's like, but this guy, Greg Glassman, he gave me some money. And I was like, Greg Glassman, the CrossFit guy. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, that's random. And he was like, yeah. He's like, his dad called me and had me on the phone for like two weeks, rerunning all my math and like making sure I had everything. Oh, that's right. I remember Greg's dad went through that book and redid his math for him. What a savage. Right. And, um, and then, and Tom was like, yeah. And then he sent me some money. He goes, but actually I'm not really interested in his money. I'm interested in the idea that he has a community of people who don't accept just conventional advice on stuff. Mm. And he was like, this is going to get solved through that. It's not going to get solved because like the drug that he recommends using is off patent. No one's going to make any money off of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Cancer is like by far, you know, the ICU is the highest generating part of a hospital in terms of revenue and cancer treatment is like the big apple. So Tom does grand rounds at hospitals and people come up to him afterwards and they're like, you know what you just said would bankrupt us. Like we can't have you talk here anymore. So people hate him. Yep. That's it. That's yep. So then I sent an email to like info at CrossFit and I was like, I just talked to Tom Seafried and he said that like, you're working on this stuff and I would love to talk to Greg if he's available or whatever. And it was like five minutes later, my phone rang and it was like, hi, I'm Greg Glassman. And I was like, what the hell? Oh, wow. (laughs) 
What year was that? Do you remember what year that was? Like 2017. Okay. And I recorded that call and I joke with Greg all the time. It's like the funniest call because I knew Gary Tabs from like 2005, right? And we were just like kind of like comparing notes on like who we knew and what we knew. And it was like a really fun first conversation. He was like, I'm coming to Boston in a couple of weeks. Like I want to hang out with you. And then I met all of you. And that was a lot of fun. Um, but. Okay, but so back to the Chinese, uh, ch- the okay. Chinese, uh, the SAT, oh. the ch- only certain amount of Chinese are allowed into. So some colleges sort of like as a, you know, independent decision limit, say 10% of their students can come. But because of all of the student loan problems and because all these colleges are in a lot of trouble, everybody's starting to rethink that. So I was at the Brownstone event um, in Miami, which was I had gone to the original one because I'm connected with all of those people. And um, and so I was invited to this one a year later, which was really fun because now people are starting to realize, like, we weren't all walking around with tinfoil hats. Right. Like there, some of those objections were pretty spot on. And the event was much larger because there are so many more people interested now in the COVID stuff. Um, and somebody there, I was talking to them about I had never heard of this, like sort of limit on Chinese people. And obviously with the gain of function stuff, it's really interesting to think, like, are we teaching students that are going back and doing this research? Was this research happening in the lab, like completely funded by the U.S.? Why is the U.S. working on potential bioweapons with our probably largest adversary? Right. And so we were having this conversation and apparently Stanford doesn't have that. So Stanford will just take as many as they can. And I was like, does that pose a real problem? And the person that I was talking to, who was a professor, was like, I'm like, I hate this conversation because like my Chinese students are some of my favorite. Like they work so hard Mm. and we have to have partnerships with other people. And I was like, well, I'm not trying to say that like we don't do that. But like if it's replacing the American brain trust that's going to stay here. Right. I mean, this was a big thing in nuclear technology a long time ago. I'm in Boston, obviously, and grew up with a lot of people who worked at MIT. And there was a whole thing about like sort of training young Iranian scientists on nuclear stuff after everything sort of fell apart. And how do you basically discriminate, right, against students who are coming from other places where they may be well-intentioned and we don't know if maybe they'll stay here and work here, right? It it does create this sort of interesting friction, which I mean, I suppose somebody could say is racist or whatever, but it isn't. I mean, like we are living in a global world where we have enemies. Where it's more nationalist. I think we we solved that problem. It's nationalist. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting is like even what you see with this balloon bullshit, right? Yeah. yeah. Like people aren't Mm -hmm. You know, they're closing all of these um, police, Chinese police stations. Have you guys heard about this? They just closed a big one in New York. No. No. What? no. Secret Chinese police stations that are going around trying to get Chinese Americans to work for them. And they've been cracking down. There was one in Texas. They just, there was a big story this weekend. In one what do you mean Chinese police station? Like public, like just like, what they're is that? Secret. They're secret, but they're basically like Chinese authorized military on U.S. soil. Are you kidding me? No. Now, why isn't this story being talked about? Oh, my God. This is crazy. What I've heard about from people in the media is if we do this big story on this stuff, there'll be backlash against Chinese Americans. Mm. Right. And I'm sure Uh, not not from me, but there would be right there. Well, that's that's just that's who would decide to attack. But it's like, wait a minute. The So what? Saying what to say and what not to say about truly what is a national threat right on our soil right i mean i don't know if you and dale king got into this but the whole fentanyl thing is like that's all coming from mexico up here oh i just, by the way, I just talked to our chinese friend um who 
three years ago defended his country and now is basically begging to come live in the United States after yeah. going through COVID there. You know who I'm talking about, right? I do, and I didn't. I don't think he should go home. I think he should stay here. But. Yeah, he's basically begging to stay. And uh, not only that, yeah, his whole opinion of his country has changed in the last two years. He says they're close to civil war there. That, yeah. they, that, they're, that they're having serious issues. I can't, but I mean, there's so I'm, many of them, right? That's why Apple's moving their manufacturing too, isn't it? All the COVID restrictions and everything else. That's why they're picking up and leaving and going to India to get out in front of it. Or, or, or are you hearing the story about uh, um, an eminent war in 2025? Have you heard that, Emily? Mm-mm. I've heard it now twice. That, that basically, say that again. Tell me more. Uh, I heard it from a guy who's in the military who uh, spoke to a general saying, yeah, the, the, the open talk around here is that we're heading towards conflict in 2025. And then yesterday I saw something quick about it on some, on, 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 I don't remember where it was, but I saw, I saw another data point on it. It was probably, it was, it must've been YouTube or Instagram. It's the only place I get my information. I was like, wow. I mean, I think we're already at war. I, I don't like, I don't have any between fet, the, yeah. Between fentanyl, the virus and opening up police stations in the United States. Yeah. I mean, Tick, I would TikTok. <laughs> You know, hey, isn't it the same? Like, we all know that obese people are the leading um, chronic disease, and let's just face it, obese people are the leading cause of economic uh, uh, collapse, challenge. They're they're the anchor on this country, right? Our, our whole medical, everything that an obese person participates in is 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 causing this country more trouble, and it's got to be the leading indicator that we're in deep, deep shit. And, uh, but, but we, t- and we talk about that all the time and there's no hate crimes against fat people. There's no one out there just like shooting down fat people. My so, I mean, people are fat. I don't know. It's like, right, right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Cause they're the majority. Okay. Well, well, right. That that's fair. I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like Ben and I were having this Ben Allen and mm-hmm. I were having this conversation about, um, the fentanyl problems the military is facing. And they're facing it too. You just look, well, what's happening with them is that it's not people shooting up, right? It's somebody wants a Percocet. They go online, they order it. It arrives. It's not Percocet. And the kid dies and the family, everybody's like, he wasn't a drug addict. Like what the hell is this? And these bases are starting to talk about it now. But I started, because of that conversation with him, I started looking things up and I was like, wow, the leading cause of death for 18 to 45 males, which is basically what, who we go to if we need to draft yep. is suicide, number one. Number two, fentanyl overdose. So if I'm China, theoretically, how am I going to best attack the U.S.? I'm going to go after their, mili- their that age population that would be fighting. And they're doing it directly with the military with these overdoses through, I think it's like um, Adderall and Percocet that are laced with fentanyl that you're buying on the internet. And then obviously just the general population. It's like profound. If you think about like how they're actually, and I said to Ben, I was like, why doesn't somebody create a campaign where they say to the troops, look guys, we're at war. They're here. When you're ordering those pills and you think it's something else, they're attacking you. These are American casualties on in the homeland. I feel like that would rally people to be like, fuck, I'm not buying that shit online anymore. (laughs) Right. uh, We had a guy come on. Um, who made a movie about fentanyl? It was it was so it was twenty six minutes. I'll send you a link. It was so hard to watch. I cry. I had to stop the movie like four times. I was crying so hard. But basically, in the every last year, they imported enough fentanyl into the United States to kill everyone in the U.S. three hundred times. 
And another thing is two point if if there's like I don't know three million people being born every year in the United States, two point six percent of that population dies from fentanyl. Not the babies, but just that's how many people are dying in the United States from fentanyl overdose. And the vast majority of them, Emily, aren't even doing fentanyl. Do you know what I mean? So like they got some weed or they bought a Xanax on Snapchat and they died from fentanyl. They're not even trying to get fentanyl and they're dying from fentanyl. Yeah, it's crazy. That and that and that is all Chinese too, huh? Everyone just knows that. That's, that's just the Chinese. I, I don't. I mean, I I don't know that there's any way to really confirm it, but that's I've definitely heard that from multiple sources that I trust. Um, uh, Wad Zombie, my younger cousin doesn't know his times tables and just graduated from high school. So so you so you met um you met Greg and with Thomas Seafried. Well, so Tom like sort of put the spark of like, you should talk to Greg. And I knew of Greg, right? I mean, like Bob and I have both been doing CrossFit for a long time. Oh, um, you had been doing CrossFit up to, before then. I was at CFNE yeah. after Max was born. So that was like 2012, maybe. Okay. Um, what was it? CrossFit what? New England. Okay. That's Is that Ben Bergeron's gym? It mm-hmm. is. Okay. Um, and I got a bad neck injury. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. My fault. CrossFit's very dangerous. Wall ball to the head twice. Um, yeah, no, it was a really, you know what it is. It's that giant brain of yours. You, you were, you, it started up thinking and you forgot to look up and you got hit. I used to be an athlete and I'm not anymore, but I like, can't stop. Right. Like I keep going. I literally like, I threw the wall and it hit under the target. Oh, oh. Back at me. Right. Yes. Going. Cause I was like, I'm not going to fucking stop. Right. Yeah. Good on you. And then it, I did it the exact same thing again. And Cheryl, who was one of the coaches was like, you're done. You can sit down. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was yeah. like, fine. I like, I need to finish. And she's like, you need to sit down. And then I like literally couldn't move my neck more than this. I'd pay to see that long. video. I'd pay to see that video. That was brilliant. So Sean Tully, who did the onboarding for me at CFNE, I just hired to have him come training me. And so like, he would train me at home for years. Um, and then after Ben canceled Greg, I would never go back there again. Um, so I go to daybreak, which is amazing. And Mel's awesome who runs it. But, um, but anyway, so like I knew of Greg, but I wasn't like a CrossFit, you know, fan girl the way that obviously some people are, but I loved the workouts. And, um, so, but I was like, sort of, I didn't know that Greg was into all this other health stuff. Right. And so that sort of formed a real bond and friendship. Um, and then he turned me on to the NSCA case, which I thought was fabulous because I was also, um, I like have run different small companies. And at that point with two little kids, I owned three women's health centers that were gyms, nutrition, and then sort of like I developed a curriculum for them that was all about like sort of middle-aged women and hormones and why weight-bearing exercise is really important because of osteoporosis and how we have different bodies than men and they're not well studied. And so there were, and that launched a podcast that I had. Um, Where were those, where were those health centers, Emily? What state? Boston. Boston, okay. Yeah, Massachusetts. Um, and that's where so, you live now, Boston? Yeah. God, you're like me. You hate yourself. <laughs> you refuse to so leave the hive. Like, you refuse you to leave the hive. Yeah, you refuse I'm to leave the hive. Like, I, like, I my understand. Sister, you know, it's hard. If I could get everybody to move, I would. I'm in a zombie hive, too. But I think that is Boston turning at all? Are people there waking I, I, up at all? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, like you're so not giving slowly. me confidence. Oh, okay. I mean, I still see people wearing masks, right? Like I Yeah, me like, too. 
there were a lot of people who I am friends with, right? Who are lawyers, doctors, whatever. And I was like, wow, what the, I mean, I was like uninvited to parties. Like I was, there was a lot. Dude, tons of Harvard grads who are retarded. Tons. The vast majority, I'd say. Almost all the Harvard grads I know are retarded. <laughs> and by retarded, I mean they are retarded. They they can't they meaning their 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 capability to think is severely stunted. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll appreciate this. So, you know, we have a lot of pharma companies here that we have a lot of new billionaires in Boston because of COVID. Mm. And um when the Project Veritas stuff happened, I had a friend who's connected to Pfizer reach out and say they really need your help. And Greg was like, they they need you right now. And I was like, no fucking way. No. Pfizer needs you? Right, to like fix the problem. Right? Double agent, be a double agent. But I was like, now I have their standards. Like I'm not going to help people who are fucking guilty, right? Like that's not happening. Um, they tried to erase that guy off the internet, Mr. Tristan. Yeah, but I mean, that's so <laughs> dumb too, right? Like, so dumb. You know how to use the Wayback Machine? It's not like complicated to find that, right? It's so funny. Um. Did the, did the media ever report on that besides Fox? Did anyone ever report on that? I don't think so. I mean, other than the Forbes piece. Hell no. How it was all bad. And then it turned out the Forbes guy was like actually a paid consultant for Pfizer. That was <laughs> classic. Uh, um, doing gain of function research, uh, Trish. Uh, releasing a vaccine that's not a vaccine that's mRNA. Uh, not doing studies, uh, p- proper studies. He's saying, what's Pfizer guilty? Releasing data, like not giving trial information on yeah. time, trying to Put, bear all that. Putting the public, women and children in harm's uh, way, uh, pregnant women and children in harm's way knowingly, just for starters. What do what you, what Teddy Williams, you and your popcorn. Okay. So, so back to um, uh, meeting. So, so you meet Greg there and you guys hit it off. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we were just like sort of like, I mean, we joke, right? That like scientific misconduct is our like favorite kind of porn, right? It's just like, what? Like, how is this happening? Yeah. He loves that stuff. Yeah. And we, you know, I mean, he has so, he's just like such a wonderful storyteller and he's just encyclopedic in his knowledge. And so I just knew instantly there was so much that I could learn from him about all the things that I was starting to realize. Right. And so like around the same time, I'm doing my podcast. I was getting recruited. So I sort of, when I had kids, I thought I wouldn't work um, and really missed the sort of stimulation of being out. I mean, I had covered murder, right? And like all kinds of really intense things. I knew I couldn't do that with little kids. You were I, freelance? After I had kids, but before I was staff at ABC. Okay. And, um, I've written for The Globe, Boston Magazine, New York Times, like all, right, all over. Had call, So I had a column for Boston Magazine at that time. Um, and the Washington Post was recruiting me to do health stories. And wow, so- these are horrible. These are really bad places you worked. ABC, New York Times, Washington Post. These well, are when I was there. Right, right, right. A Washington uh-huh. Post is just absolutely fucking Well, so th- this is what happened nuts. with Nuts. They recruited me to do health stuff for them. And I pitched them on like three stories that I wanted to do. One was Verda, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah, yeah. The largest diabetes trial ever done that's reversing diabetes in like 80% of their participants over three years, right? Like it's not a quick fix. It's not a, oh, we fixed it. And then the person gets diabetes again. Like they literally are managing the disease in a way where the person doesn't appear to have it by getting carbs out of their diet. Like profoundly important for the public to understand. What was that guy's name? Uh, he, he was the truly a guy, Yami. right? Yeah. Yes. Yami Inkinen or? Yami. Say it again. Yes. 
So I think it's Sami S. So, yeah, Sami Inc. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, and the and I was like, this is a ama- like this is an incredible story, right? Like people, the, incredible. It's always been this like managed disease, and like we're gonna give you more drugs, and you might lose your leg, but we're gonna extend your life. Right? Like, what if you just didn't eat the shit? Right? Mm-hmm. Wow. And the editor at the Washington Post was like, I think you're really biased. Like, I didn't realize that you had this strong bias. Like all of these stories that you're pitching are like very politically loaded and whatever. And I was like, what? And she was like this, uh, the Verda piece, for example, like that whole study is funded by the company. And I was like, who funds the insulin trials? Who funds every Pfizer study? Like, are you kidding me? Like, what are we talking? Like, how is this a double standard? So I was getting really- She's projecting. That's hardcore projecting. It it was like absolutely bonkers. I mean, it was Hey, I just want to ask you this real quick. Total side thing. Is Verda still around? I think so. I need to have him on the show. Okay, good. Who did? Sarah, who was the medical director and like spearheaded a lot of the research. Oh, no, I never met her. I thought it was some dude over there who was kind of a CrossFit- Sami's the owner. And yeah. he, he launched the company because he was this like really famous triathlete who developed right. type diabetes. And he was like, wait, I'm super healthy. And it and everybody was telling him to go on drugs. And he was like, there must be an alternative. And because he was a billionaire, he did a lot of research and he figured out, like, no, this is a carbohydrate-induced disease. I can fix this. And then and he had sold his company for a ton of money. Trulia. He, it was Trulia. Yeah. So he was like, my new venture is going to be helping people who are diagnosed with diabetes manage this right. through lifestyle rather than drugs. But Sarah was the medical director. What was her um, last name? I do remember her blonde lady. Yeah. Hallberg. She was yeah, amazing. That, yeah. How did she die? Cancer. Lung cancer. Oh man. She looked good too. Yeah. I think it, wow. she had a, a tough battle. Okay. It, um, so, uh, I, I took you, I was asking you if, uh, Virta is still around when you were going to talk. Okay. So ABC, uh, going to them. Oh, with I'm the- starting to be like, wait, what the fuck is going on in the media? Right. Like this is, I had been out for a while and I was, you know, dabbling back in because it was the kind of thing where I could freelance and be home with my kids. And I was running these businesses and I was like, I don't, this is not like, I don't even know if I want to do this. And obviously, you know, Greg CrossFit is classified as a publishing company. And so, and you guys were doing lots of great writing and producing and all kinds of cool stuff. And so he was sort of like trying to, you know, show me how you guys were actually telling the true story, right? And that, no, it wasn't like a mainstream outlet and, you know, in the media sense, but actually the work you guys were doing was far superior at that point, right? And um, Thank and you. so I thought we kind of became friends over that, right? Like we, he'd send me stuff that you guys were doing and I'd send him stuff that I was doing and we'd talk about ideas and it like just was really all about this idea of, oh, that's awesome. See, it's, it's like, I mean, I feel like th- this is the stuff that drives me crazy is like the reason to be a reporter is to share important information that you think the public needs to have, right? And like something like I, when I wrote the column in Boston Magazine on the Verda trial um, and I did a podcast with Sarah on it, I got crazy people on Twitter, like sending me pictures of dead kids saying like, I hope your kids die this way. And it was because I came up with this analogy that was like, we are so restrictive about eating peanut butter, right? Because we don't want kids with a peanut allergy in the same classroom having an attack, but yet we're giving kids all the sugar and Mm -hmm. then just telling them like, oh, just take your insulin. Like, no, 
would we ever do that with a peanut allergy? Like, oh, just take your EpiPen, Johnny. Like, you can have the PB&J. Like, that's, it's bonkers, right? Bonkers. It's crazy. All these, like, type one moms went ballistic on me. And Greg was one of the first people I called when I was like, I'm getting all these death threats on Twitter. And he's like, I know that group. They came after me, too. And he's like, they're mobilized by some other force. Totally mobilized, yes. Um, hey, why doesn't Emily have a Boston accent? Are you... Sometimes when I have a lot of tequila, it'll come out. Because <laughs> she's educated. That's why. She went to Northwestern. You know my mom went to Northwestern. Well, I got my master's at Northwestern. I think, didn't your both your parents go? I think so, yes. Actually, that's correct. My dad was history and my mom was English, I think. Aww. History major, English major. But they didn't meet there. They met at church. That's what they and told they, you. And they eloped. Oh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure it's true. My mom, can you imagine my mom was born in the United States and she married this immigrant? Smart woman. Uh, yep. Everyone should marry an immigrant. If you want a hardworking man, marry an immigrant. There, I said it. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, so then you, from there, you, you, you are kindred spirits in the fact that um, you both like going after uh, the douchebags, the people who are basically lying. Yeah, I think and we both have a very strong uh, appetite for bullies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Greg definitely does not. Uh, he he om almost to a fault. He stands up for a weak people. Yeah, it's it's yeah. his kind of his true north. Isn't that crazy that he got that they would cancel a guy who's most who's most. I mean, you've seen it. He'll just walk right up to a homeless dude and be like, "Hey, dude, what's your problem? You need to get your shit together." And like, sorry, a drug addict. I mean, yeah, yeah. I He'll lean right into a black guy, a gay guy, a, uh, like any anyone who he feels like is like being like pigeonholed somewhere. If he senses that, he'll run over and like just be a shield for them, offer them something. Greg's one of his like best traits and probably his biggest points of like weakness for other people to attack is his generosity. Yes. I think he's mm. beyond. I mean, I asked Matt Holdsworth one time, like, can you give me an accounting of like all of the things that Greg has paid for, for people over the years, right? Like I've had people tell me stories of like, he paid for my cancer treatment and I never heard from him. Like he just paid for it and didn't ever right. expect anything from me. Right. To like, there's that this great story of like the coffee shop that you guys love in Madison. And you went for breakfast one morning and it was closed because the air conditioning was broken. And Greg told Jimmy Waddell and somebody else like fix that for them. And so yeah. they found the person and it turned out that the landlord wouldn't pay for it. And they like rewrote the lease, got them a new AC, like all this stuff. Right. I can't, I cannot count the number of times that I've heard stories like that from people. And so I said to Matt, like, how was this accounted for? Right. Like, was there like a, cause I know it wasn't done through the nonprofit side, right? Like the CrossFit charity organization, like Greg kind of hated, right. Because he doesn't like, yeah, nonprofit. hated it. So those all could have been tax write-offs. He didn't bother. He would just say, like, I don't care. Just fix it, right? Just he hated it because it was it let the government into his business, and he hated the government being in his business. And I think it was also, like, there's all these nonprofits that are really, like, cover organizations for something else, right? Which yep. he was realizing CDC Foundation and other stuff. And so he was like, I don't want one of those. I don't want to do business like that. But it's, like, it literally, the A, wasn't a tax write-off, which is a big reason most people do shit like that, right? Is that, like, you have to give away a certain amount of money so that you don't give it to the government at the end of the year. That wasn't an impetus for him at all. And on top of that, it's, like, there no, there's no record. Like, we can't figure out how many people he fixed things for because it was just, like, just do it, right? Like, I don't care. It's not a matter of whatever. And I think it's his downfall because I think then – 
in some cases where he's overly generous and people come to expect it. Right. And then they get mad when it's taken away and it's not. Yeah. Like that yeah. As yeah. I hate it. He was just in town for two weeks and took me out to dinner every night. Last night I went to the restaurant and they gave me a bill. I'm like, no, what are you talking about? Like, Greg's what? Like, where's Greg? <laughs> I've been here all week. I've never yeah, what are you talking about? Where's Greg? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was joking. Uh, like, hey, you know what here? else, Emily? How about this? I bet you he's given away 1,000 level ones, but but maybe 10,000. But maybe ten thousand. I mean, he would give away one a day, like like it was. And so, if he gave away a thousand, that's a million dollars that he didn't deduct as donations. And if yeah. he gave away ten thousand, it's fucking ten million dollars, right? I mean, so like. Uh, no, I've um, had people reach out to me under the new. No, order. no, not ten million. It's a well, hundred million dollars. I mean, what, what? Add three zeros. A hundred thousand. Uh, a, oh, ten million. Sorry, ten million. A million. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not so it's him. crazy. His generosity is crazy. I agree. It's nuts. And I, under the new ownership, there were people reaching out and saying like, Hey, I, my affiliate fees were waived because I, you know, serve this population of people that's in need. And Greg always thought like, that's more important than the affiliate fee. And like, as long as you're, you keep doing that and you keep serving these people, you don't have to pay. And under the new owners, they were like, Oh, sorry, you have to pay. And so people were saying to me, like, how, what do I do? Right. Like I give all my money away to pay for, you know, L1s for other people. Right. Or to stimulate this, you know, group of people that don't have any money. Like I don't charge or whatever. And like now they're all being asked to pay. Like that's a bad look. Right. But it's also, you know, that's their choice. And Greg ran things so differently that I think that's one of the really interesting sort of points of like how he made decisions about what was best for the community versus trying to make money off of everything. Right. And and no one knows what the stimulus is. If he gave away a thousand L1s and that caused those people to tell three people to take the oh. L1s, then he actually made money. But there's no one there who can do that there now anymore. There's no one with that authority because it's owned by God knows who. Um, yeah, there's also – man, it was such a cool company. Well, he always had that analogy of like he was the caretaker of a forest and not the builder of a skyscrapers. Right. And I think that that really shows right there because really what he's doing is he's going around and planting the seed by giving that away off of what you said, Sevon, where you give one away and then they go around turn three and the whole entire forest continues to grow and he's just the caretaker of it rather than charging and nickeling, diming every single person so we could build the skyscraper. Two different methodologies of business there. I was he just talks to more strangers than anyone I know. By far, just random yeah. people. They'll talk to anyone. And I'm it was right. the same with the doctors, right? So he and I were talking this weekend about the MDL2 that happened or whatever. And, um, in in Aromas. Yeah. yeah. And there were some people that were upset that they were charging for it. And I said something to Greg about it. And he was like, you don't charge doctors. He's like, doctors right. are going to go call their patients to go to CrossFit. Right? It's like it's a feeder system, right? And they're not yeah. coaches. And I was like, that's, that's another one of these examples of like how he thought about it differently. Like he's, he's brilliant. He wasn't dumb to the fact that like, if I'm spending my earnings paying for L1s for other people, to your point, Sevi, like they're going to go and then they're going to open a box, right? And it's going to feed the ecosystem in a really organic, natural way that like, shit, I'm not going to charge this person $3,000 to be part of my community when they're growing my business for me, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's fair. Thinking. It's fair to say the doctors are the army of pharma, right? I mean, they're basically the drug dealers of pharma. They're the, the shill. Foot soldiers. Foot soldiers, for sure. I don't think there's any poetic license, any exaggeration, any hyperbole. I think it just is. And so to chart, you're right. 
I, it's funny. I didn't even think it was that big of a deal that they were charging them. But hearing you say it here, it's crazy to charge doctors to take their level one or level two or level three or level four. Mm-hmm. Like those, like you just want them to have the education, right? So yes, yes. Education, they can share some of it, and they can say, "Hey, like I just took this course; it was really cool." But you could go to this box with me later, and actually, these people are experts on this, right? And I mean, his whole point with the MDL one, which I loved so much, was like you see your patients once a year, maybe, right? Like I see people that I'm training three times a week. Who's going to have a bigger impact on them? Who's going to hold them accountable? You're telling them to lose 20 pounds and then you're seeing them in a year and you're surprised it didn't happen. I'm seeing them multiple times a week and making sure it happens. Like we need to be aligned, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And the long-term effect by bringing the doctors into the community is far more valuable than any dollars you would extract from them from seeing the event, right? Far more, far more worthy in the long term to bring them into the fold. Yeah. And you know, tr- I feel like we were like talking about all the CrossFit health stuff right at, before it was launched. And I was, it was like such a cool idea. And I feel like Karin did such a great job, you know, rolling all of that out. I up. agree. Um, but when I was at that first MDL one, we were all staying at the hotel, right? So it was like me and then a bunch of doctors and nobody really knew each other. And I think I, you know, as like the social coordinator always, I was like, let's have dinner, let's go to the bar or whatever. And it was like a, incredibly special moment because it was exactly how he had predicted it would be where all these doctors had recognized the impact of the CrossFit stimulus in their own lives. Right. And they happen to be doctors and they had been isolated, right. In these little silos all over the country, different specialties in medicine. And they came together and they finally felt like, Oh shit, other people know what I know. Right. And w- back in my little community, everybody's challenging me on whether I should be recommending this or not. I know in my heart I should be. But now that I've connected with all these other people who know the same thing to be true and they've seen the same impact, I'm going back to my community and I'm telling everybody to fuck off. This is the best thing we could be doing. It empowered those people in such a profound level. I mean, like Greg and I often joke that, like, really, he's a social engineer, right? Like he brings people together, he empowers them to do great things, they do great things. And I think what he did with those doctors was beyond brilliant, right? Just by putting them in the same room, around a cause and a thing that they had all experienced and that they loved, to go back to their regional areas, doing their medicine, totally different. I mean, like, there's a dermatologist, a plastic surgeon, an OBGYN, an internist, a cancer doctor, right? Like no, they weren't talking about medicine. They were talking about how CrossFit helps in all of those ways, right? And now they can go back and they have a network of other people to rely on when they're getting shit at home. It's like, mm-hmm. it was so smart. Uh, to give you guys an, uh, an example, and I'm sure Emily has a lot of examples too. So we would be in a room with 40 doctors and one doctor would raise their hand and be like, yeah, there was a time when a patient was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and I told them how they could get rid of their type 2 diabetes with nutrition and exercise. And an hour later, an uh, administrator at the hospital came up to me and told me never to do that again and that I had to go talk to that patient and lead them towards the pharmaceutical solution. And so there were all of these doctors living in these silos who knew the cure for the world's most vexing problem, but they felt like outcasts and they felt this pressure and they started thinking they were crazy, like like many of us did during the COVID thing. And so they didn't have this cohort to hang out with. And so these these uh, CrossFit level ones happened and um, it was almost like um, the doctors who came there – I mean, granted, the level one's amazing. It was great. They got it. But it was more or equal to just, hey, bring like-minded doctors together so they don't feel like they're working in silos. And and after a year of that, there was getting to be some crazy synergy, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, we have the cure. 
and 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 we're doctors. And that's why it's called the DDC, the Derelict Doctor Club, right? Right, right. Yep. You're never supposed to say that out loud. You're never supposed to say that out loud. So <laughs> oh, that's sorry. a secret. You just let it out, Sousa. It's okay. You get a pass. You get a pass. <laughs> is it even still around? <laughs> is it a- hey, did you know that um, Sousa was an affiliate nearby, Emily, and he would sneak into those? So he he would <laughs> wasn't invited to them, but since he was only 50 bitch, miles, right? 60 miles north, he would come. I love that. And a few times, he, he uh, at least one time, um, one of the people there who was uh, running it said, hey, what are you doing here? You can't be here. You're not on the list. He, and so Susan flipped the script. He's like, well, I'll set up some chairs or something. And yeah. then just started like working and shit. I offered to put in like the, the name tags like into the thing, like in, into the little sleeves and stuff because I saw that she hated it. Did you just change that? Did you just pop that thing up on the bottom of my screen? I didn't. Oh, it's probably oh, Caleb's fooling around with the new features. Oh, That's good. Uh, hey, that's on the job training. Yeah. <laughs> Write something like, nasty under Emily. <laughs> love, but you know what I love about that so much too, Matt? Is yeah. just there's so that is actually like it's a very common story of people who just want to be around and they know there's some magic happening. Yep. And so they're like, I'm going to sneak in or like, I mean, I had talked to a bunch of people who were like, yeah, there was like a cert one weekend. So I went over and whatever. And I'm like, but didn't you already have your cert? And they're like, oh yeah, but I would just like go hang out every weekend. And it was like, it's like a again it's sort of like being around this movement right and like not wanting to miss out and feeling like there's something going on here how do i get into this club that yeah. i think happened i mean sebi you know this better than i do but like it seems like that happened a lot where people would be like well can i put out chairs or can i help with this or what can i do to be involved like i just want to be there yeah and that that's really cool right i mean that's like- how i feel about christians just in i keep a bunch of them near my be just in case <laughs> Hey Zeus comes by. Your gate, your gang of Christians there. Yeah, I'm jumping in. I'm just gonna run inside the elevator that goes up too. Well, I'm here. I'm good. I'm good. I've been a friend for a long time. Arizona, and he like moved to this like really like high Mormon neighborhood. Yeah. And I was like, how are they gonna feel about like vodka soda? And he was like, oh, they don't try to convert me. They're, they're really they're awesome. And he's like, yeah. Hey, designated drivers they like love children right yeah and he was like and i'm going to heaven because i've got nine kids right and so yes. like, all yes. they care about is like how many kids you have and he's like so i'm in i'm in the club yes, yes. <laughs> um tell me tell me about um because we're 53 minutes in and i do not want to screw this up well i've already screwed it up um, but, um <laughs> tell me about what's going on in february and then and then i want to go back and talk about the crossfit book if we have time and then also talk about the nsca case but tell me what's going on here in february in so broken science our, and what your role is with it, it yeah. you, this is a partnership between you and greg right right so we're okay. business partners on this and then we're also doing a docuseries with adam carolla and jimmy kimmel on k-rock so we're business partners on those things jimmy kimmel is doing it yeah, well, involved it's in it. Adam's like sort of origin story, right? And Greg, yeah, but Jim, he is a world class piece of shit, Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> well, I haven't had that experience. I, okay, I well, he is. He is a complete sellout, and if and he's a spreader of uh, of of hurtful lies, and he's a, he's a mean person. He's a bad person. He's a bad human. But just saying, Adam Carolla is not, from what I can see. Yeah, no, Adam. I like. Sorry, I don't mean to attack your buddy, your your okay. business partner, but he's yeah, a douche. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll okay. talk about that another episode. Maybe when okay. K-Rock comes out. Okay. And 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 it's the same with Jack Dorsey. I don't give them a pass like Joe Rogan did. Like you can't you can't be you don't get a pass. Unless no, unless you come on my unless you come on my po- uh, podcast and apologize. And Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel hasn't even apologized. Don't make I mean, don't make me send you the clips. I know you know he's a dickhead. <laughs> I don't know that. And I'm going to withhold judgment. Okay, well, he's he's huge into giving poison to kids. Huge. 
Huge, huge support. Okay, I'll change subject. I'm sorry. Oh, yep, look at Sorry, here we go. Uh, Sean Sullivan, Jimmy Kimmel's a douchebag and a Pfizer whore. That's, uh, thank you. Uh, uh, Chairman Prozac, Jack Dorsey's also a crap bag. Thank you. Uh, You guys are so good. getting any money. I wanted to, like, raise a ton of money. Do I see if people are giving, no one's giving any money. I'm going to save, like, the best dirt for people who... (laughs) Well, Tommy gave $5. Like, what happened, like... Who were the biggest douchebags through the cancellation? I've got some really good stories. <laughs> oh, people who fucking called Greg a rape. Hey, hey, that would really make me feel uncomfortable because those are probably my best guests. Oh. <laughs> and Greg, emails, I think you've heard a, a voice recording. The yes. Voicemail. Oh, Emily said, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. You're like my father, but I just have to do this for my business. I've got some good stories, people, but I want to see some money. Hey, uh, let me tell you this. Guess what? So I was at a coffee shop yesterday in in Santa Cruz and rainbows everywhere because it had just rained and the sun came out. And there's this big, buff, handsome guy sitting at the door with like outside the door. There's like a bench outside this coffee shop and a super trendy one. And he's got his feet stretched out and he's got his arms across like this handsome, buff guy. And he goes, hey. And I go, hey. He goes, you recognize me? And I'm like, oh, shit, I do. And it was Danny, Julie Fouché's ex-husband. Oh. Yeah. And I got to sit down and talk to him for an hour. God, it was fun. It was such a good talk. I, that's oh, interesting. Yeah. I'd love to know. Did he have any insights for you that you can? Share? Yeah, yeah. He was gentle. He was gentle, but he, he, yeah. He. Oh, here we go. Oh, and now they come. Thank in. you. Some go. of that CrossFit money, uh, uh, Black Entertainment Network, BET. Thank you. Get with the programming. <laughs> Thank you. Quad Zombie. Oh my goodness. Five dollars. Thank you. I was like, yeah. do people like drink usually and donate later? Is that why like the early morning shows don't make as much money? Is there some sort of? Do we have a trend here? Uh, Thank you. Seven, seven, seven. What is it? Uh, Five is man, six is Satan, and seven is God. Is that uh, (laughs) Eric Weiss here for the gossip? Please share. Great. Great. Bring it. Uh, Victor Brown, unleash the beast. Holy cow. Easy people. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so tell us about uh, how happy Emily is. Look at, oh, oh my more, goodness. Natalie Bates, uh, name them Emily. Love you. Jeez, you guys, <laughs> ten, these she's going to destroy. No one's going to ever come on this podcast again. Bruce Wayne, $10, $10. You, hey. you ruined my deal with Jimmy Kimmel. So what do you think is worth more? Let's do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I thought after all that, Savannah goes, don't mention if hey, someone come on this I podcast. I love Adam like, Carolla and Dr. Drew. They're great. They're great human beings. Yeah, no, Adam- and, Amazing. And I yeah. think, you know, introducing him to Greg was one of like, that was one of my favorite introductions I've made for him because they're kindred spirits, right? Like they both are sort of, they don't take anything at face value. They speak their minds. I mean, I think Adam is like cancel proof because his audience loves that he's a contrarian, right? And loves that he's very logical and how he thinks about things. And he's not like really, he's not a bad person. So he's not scared to say what he feels, right? Because right. he's honest. Right. And He's oftentimes so logical that it's really hard to argue with him. Very logical. Uh, we want names. Wow. Uh, we want to hear it all. See, I love right. it. Let's get to it. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised Jimmy made it past uh, that. What was that show they had with the girls would jump around on trampolines? The man show. Yeah, I didn't watch TV during that era. I got I missed that and um, the Chappelle show. But that was for sure. The Chappelle show was so good. The Chappelle show was great. I, I was, you know, everyone has like a 10 year period that they don't watch TV in their life. And that was kind of my, like, I, I don't know what I was, I was probably homeless. Okay. So, so tell me about February 17th and then we'll go back. Fine. We'll, we'll, we'll entertain these guys and we'll talk about the worst I'm out people. 
So the Broken Science Initiative, I feel like the most is Emily a cock tease. <laughs> oh my God! Look at the Share look at that bro- guy's profile <laughs> picture. It's fucking Sousa with the mat. It's Sousa. <laughs> it's Rosa with a mask on. Chairman Prozac. Holy shit! <laughs> I totally approve of that spelling of cock. Holy fuck! Like, are what? You Say it again, Emily. Is that cock like the way you cock a bathtub? Yes, 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 yes. That's the way I like to say it, cock, so we don't get canceled. Uh, to have Emily part two, three, four, and five. Fine, fine. Holy three shirtless gross. dudes. Uh, Brandon Waddell. Oh, my goodness. Dirty money for dirty deets. Way to go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> hey, how would you pronounce his name? Brandon. But his last name. Waddell. Oh, I used to call him Waddle. Oh. He had to he had to unfuck me. I don't read so good. Waddle. Well, how does it, Jimmy Waddell spell his last name? Isn't it similar? It's I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I've never that's interesting. I've never seen it spelled. How is Jimmy? It's great. I'm gonna call Jimmy after this show and tell him I need therapy after what you're about to do to me. <laughs> <laughs> He'll come stand outside my house if I need him to. I love Jimmy. He's great. Like a big brother. Chairman Prozac. I can't get enough of this profile picture. Like, Philip <laughs> Kelly, 499. Save me a good seat in Phoenix. Are you going to Phoenix? Awesome, Philip. Jeez. Oh, cool. Sebi, you're not coming. Is that what I am not? I, I'm not coming. That's bullshit. Why? I'm sending uh, my my uh, representatives. Uh-huh. <laughs> Haley and Susan are going. <laughs> I, mean, I can't wait to like take your way. Listen, you know, you know me. I need uh two weeks. Uh, at a at a hotel or VRBO, and I need a jet to pick me up at the airport. That does, these are and the like, rules. I couldn't make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> jet. <laughs> uh, Julie Bauer leather design. Oh, Julie's one of my favorite. Super sticker. Yeah, I like that icon. Let me go back to the broken science stuff. So the broken science initiative yes. is really. I. I mean, I. The easiest way to explain this to this audience is that it's that Greg, you know, defined fitness, right? When he recognized that there wasn't a definition for fitness and having grown up in the house that he grew up in, he knew explicitly well how important definitions are and sort of looking at things from a scientific problem solving approach. And when he got into the world of fitness and he recognized that there wasn't a definition of fitness, he also knew that there would be no way to measure anything, right? So he kind of solved that problem. And then I think through the process of being attacked by the NSCA and the ACSM. And we can get into all that, which is fascinating. And being peer reviewed, right? Being the subject of peer review and then realizing the whole thing was fabricated and garbage and being used to push an agenda forward. He became sort of wise to the notion of these tools of propaganda that are using the name science, right? But are not scientific at all. And that then I think really led him to the CrossFit health stuff where he started to recognize there's a whole lot of medicine that's wrong. Right. And so he got into Richard Smith and most research findings are false and Ionati's and, you know, the replication crisis and that launched CrossFit health. And I think he was what, really- one quick thing. Um, the, the case that Emily's referring to is Ohio state. I think it was Ohio state or Ohio university along with the NSCA did a study and basically they lied and got caught lying bad saying that CrossFit injures people and they got caught lying really bad. And so really that was, bad. that's what Emily's saying that that process there kind of really opened Greg's mind to how much fraud there is in uh, peer reviewed science. Correct. Perfect. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, and so I think, um, CrossFit health was like sort of the next iteration of all of this. Right. And then when he got canceled and he was sort of, you know, trying to figure out what to do, 
he and I went back and started really diving into the philosophy of science. And I think what happened during that time was that he actually had the bandwidth. I mean, some of this stuff is really dense and, and tough to understand. But and I don't think he would have been able to do it while he was running CrossFit. But I think because he was really isolated. Right. And honestly, like not didn't want to be around people and didn't know what people thought of him. And it was all I mean, I think, you know, we are one of our taglines is that like when um, consensus replaces predictive power, science becomes nonsense. And I think that really goes to the heart of a lot of the way that Greg thinks about things, which is predictive value, right? Like you look for patterns, you try to understand relationships, and then you can kind of, I mean, as a chess player, right? Like you can think a couple steps ahead because you kind of have some things you can predict. I don't think in a million years he would have ever predicted that COVID would shut down the economy and the world. And I don't think in a million years he would have ever guessed that he would be canceled the way that he was. And I think those two events happening in close proximity to each other really led him into a you know, sort of rabbit hole where he was like, fuck, I don't know what's going on in the world, right? Like, what is happening here? And how do we get here? And instead of being a victim, he was like, what can I do about this? Right? Like, where are we? And so he never plays the victim, by the way, never, ever, 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 ever. Um, can you say that line again? What when predictive when consensus when science? Yeah, yeah, when science when predictive value is replaced by consensus, or when consensus replaces predictive value in science, science becomes nonsense. Meaning like when we have these things of like, we're voting on what science or not, or we're being told to believe the science, but none of these scientific outcomes are predictable, meaning they can't be replicated. You can do something once, like a Pfizer trial, you do it one time and you say, this is the outcome and there's no unintended consequences. You don't know what you're talking about, right? And so then you, we start looking at what are the tools of validation in modern science? And they're p-values, right? Which is a statistical test and confidence intervals both of which were not by design meant to be tools of validation. So validation meaning like you're able to actually say that the thing that you are predicting works, right? So a big demarcation for us is industry versus academic science. And we both had dads who, you know, worked in rocket science and my dad worked on the LEM and his dad obviously was a rocket scientist at Hughes. And so I think we both grew up with these sort of like engineering brain dads that taught us like you have to know what you're doing but most importantly, the thing has to do the thing that you said it was going to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like rockets, you take, Elon's not like, I mean, Greg likes to talk about this. This is a great example, right? Like Elon's not launching rockets one time and then putting a billion dollars behind it to make sure, like thinking it's just going to do that, right? That they figured it out. They're tests that go along to figure out how you get there. And the thing has to do the thing you said it was going to do. And then it becomes science, right? Mm -hmm. if, if it doesn't do it, or you can only do it one time, you haven't figured it out. Right. And so there's this we really get into this idea of like Karl Popper denying induction. And this gets hard for people because like what's induction? And it turns out there's actually a lot of different definitions for induction. And he and I kind of go back and forth on this a little bit. But my, I like the idea that induction is really taking information from the past and assuming that you can use it for something about the future. Right. So it's this notion of like history repeating itself. And in science, it's really this idea of like we did this thing. We have some prior information and we can apply that to move forward. And Karl Popper denied induction and basically said all of science has to be falsifiable. And at the time, what pop, this part of this is you know, for me, everything's history, right? And people related. That's how I have to contextualize things to understand them. And Popper was living in a time where you had Einstein and you had Freud. And he actually was family friends with Freud's sister. 
Mm. and had worked at a children's sort of like orphanage type place for kids that were really disadvantaged and psychologically challenged. And I think he was really struggling with this idea of like, if everything is like, um, I have penis envy, right? And so all my problems are because I want to be a man. You can't prove that, right? Right. Or like, if I say like, oh, my mom was terrible and she treated me awfully. And that's why like, I'm so difficult to get along with her. I have so much anxiety, but like your mom might've been much worse and you're fine. Right. So what that's so subjective. And so he had a real problem with psychology, which I would agree with. Right. And I think we go back and we look at most of these hallmark psychological studies. Who had a real problem with psychology, Greg or Popper? Who talking Popper. About? Popper right. Right. Um, and so I think I'm kinder to Popper <laughs> than Greg is. But I think he, Popper really had this idea of like, you have to be able to falsify things, right? So you have to be able to have a test that says like, if this doesn't work, then my premise is wrong. My hypothesis is wrong. And like, that's an interesting idea, but you actually really need both, right? Because otherwise you're not going to move forward. So like the, the sort of, I mean, probably like dumbed down example that I really like is like, it's like friendship, right? Like if I were saying like, okay, you and I are friends because my prior information about you is that you're trustworthy, you're kind, we have fun together, right? That doesn't mean you're never going to be dishonest, right? Right. But like I can try and take these things apart and prove like and only be looking for these negative things and we're never going to move forward. Or I can say, you know what? Like so far, so good. Let's keep moving forward and see where this goes. Right. I mean, that's way oversimplifying this from a scientific perspective. But like even the Dahlberg case, which was a big Supreme Court case that was looking yes. at yep. um, what is you know what science and, and they were really focused on like who can be an expert witness in a in a trial claiming to be a scientist. But two of their tests are peer review and accepted by the you know professional population or you're part of a professional organization and recognized as science. That's not fucking science. That's popularity and that's consensus, mm -hmm. right? Like if popularity I make a rock in my backyard or a, I come up with some, you know, like Bob, my husband's doing all this crazy cancer research. Like he has insane ideas that he's working on with Seafried. Like, is he not a scientist because he's not peer reviewed it yet? Right? No, that's not, that's not a test, right? right that's a, right. It, it feels just like popularity, right? Like, it, and so that we, is what it is. That is what it is. Yep. And then that leads you down. A She's path a witch. Let's burn her. All in favor. Right. I. Mm -hmm. totally. Those are Jews. Totally. Throw them in the fucking uh, train. Burn them. All in favor. I. Right. And it's a great way to get shit done, especially if, you, if people are afraid for their lives. Like like we kind of we are right now. Well, and I mean, that's a, that that then you sort of what's happened is that like public health. Right. Is not medicine. And like we, this again, I joke that like COVID was like a Petri dish for this project because it enlightened so many more people to some of these problems and sort of, um, you know, like false gods. Right. And so like you have this idea. So you are optimistic health. about that. So you are optimistic about that. You do think that that it woke some about people what? up. It was, there was a I, net, I, I, net I, gain. Do you think it was a net gain? I, for us, it was huge because like there's so okay. many people that now get like, wait a minute. Like that I got my vaccine and I got COVID. This isn't what they told me it would be, right? Mm -hmm. Right, or right. Like, they're dying drowning than they are of COVID. Like, why am I vaccinating my kid, right? Like, there's so many parts of this that have touched way more people than we would have ever been able to grab had there not been COVID, I think. Um, I just- Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at even just Jay Bhattacharya for one, right? So, right. Yeah. I mean, even just like the average person, like we're talking about science yeah. on yeah. a daily basis in a way we yeah. were not before COVID, right? Yeah. Right. 
it forced the issue. Yeah. And I think it's just like something that people are a little bit more curious about and trying to be more aware of like, well, what is this? You know, and, the and it forced totally exposed as like not knowing what they're reporting on. Right? right. And so I think people are looking for a source of information that will help them understand these things. And so we're doing a couple, I mean, like we're going to hopefully do a school curriculum is the main output for this. That's but, the thing I'm most excited about. Every time I hear that, I, I, I think this could be a curriculum for kindergarten to, uh, to, 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 to I don't know, someone with six PhDs. And there'd be just and there'd just be like eight different curriculums for whatever your your fucking age level or IQ is. And then we also have Russell Berger mm-hmm. to work at CrossFit. He's writing a my scientific misconduct column for us. No um, shit. I didn't know that. Uh, Malcolm Kendrick just sent me a draft of a column he's gonna be writing. Where are those gonna be published? On our site. Can you bring um, it? Oh, but Teresa Sabar, I can't wait for Phoenix. Uh, thank yay! you. Uh, B Sur for the Chinese Be- Barun Baron Be- Barun. Uh, Mike Anderson, Mike Arturian, the Armenian. Of course, oh, the Armenian wow. gives the most money. I haven't <laughs> donated in a while. Hundred dollars. You don't need to justify it. Yeah, CrossFit Riverside, nineteen ninety nine. Bless your soul. I don't know what that means. I don't know what a soul is, but thank you, Greg C nine ninety nine. Catching up, uh, but want to know all Savon won't share. I I can't share anything. I mean, I have to tell you guys, Savon knows just as much as I do. So he's oh, like, you're horrible. You're horrible. You're horrible. He probably knows horrible. more, right? It's horrible. Oh, my goodness. I was joking. You guys know my friend Jessie. I was joking with her before. Like, I have to go on this podcast and remember that Sevi and I aren't at Blondros, right? Like, this is a right. people are listening to this. So right. I have to be a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, so, so can you pull up the Broken Science website? I want to. So just to go back a second, because we um, – this this company you run, Clio. Can anyone hire you who needs help? Well, not like really. if I'm the CEO of um, uh, My Pillow, yeah, and I got canceled, can I call you and 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 you help me? You can call me. I have a like. I mean, it's a really high bar. I'm not gonna lie. If I have any questions about what you did, I just. I mean, I literally. You're not gonna represent Harvey Weinstein. Basically, if you suspect something's wrong with you, you're not doing it. Right. I can't because at this point, if I call the New York Times, they have a sense of like I don't fuck around. And so if I'm calling, it means that they fucked up. You want to always stay on the side of the truth. That's all I'm interested in, honestly. Like, I feel like it's it's about correcting the record. Uh, Emily keeps saying right to annoy Chairman Prozac. I don't even, I'm not sure what that means. Did you say right a lot? I don't right? know. Should I say wrong? Is that better? Right? <laughs> wrong. Oh, correct. Oh. <laughs> Chairman Prozac. Oh, he's making fun of you because you must have said right a few times. Right. Um, right. Uh, right. <laughs> right yeah right sure. you know that's something that um I, I was thinking the other day this whole podcast runs off of this idea that greg used to tell me that took years to sink in like just sell the truth and so that's what i try to do on this podcast i'm just like okay can i just tell the truth and and part of telling the truth is letting people know how you think how you came up with two plus two so that way if you're wrong they could unfuck you and kind of get you back to the truth mm-hmm. right so I have the people on, like, I'm always looking for someone to kind of like fix my thinking and then, and then, and then lean into it. If someone says you're wrong, just lean into it and accept it. Like if they're right. You know what? You did that really well. I was watching one of your shorts where you were talking uh-huh. to, I think it was Travis. Mm-hmm. He was, you were saying that like Andy Stump was there and he was saying he wasn't. And you were sort of like, all right, I'll let you have it. But it, it was like, I yeah. knew in the back of your mind, you were like, I don't have this wrong. Right. Yeah. Fuck you, you, Travis. Yeah. You pushed on that. <laughs> He's like, but Andy was there, right? Okay. Okay. entrenched. You were graceful enough about it that you could let him talk, and then you ended up figuring out actually you were both right. 
right? Yeah. That's yeah. a great example of your how you're very effective at that, right? You're able yeah. to listen yeah. and take in information. And then you can come forward and say, well, wait a minute, that, that's sort of what I like. So he was there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, I think Travis was so st- was Travis stoned in that interview. I couldn't see his eyes the whole time I was talking to him. He looked like he was stoned out of his mind. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. He him. stayed on track with his stories. Like there was never a moment where you like drifted him and then he stopped for a minute and was like, wait, what were we just talking about? Which yeah. I feel like is the common, you know, like you're in some deep story that you see a cat and you look back and you're like, oh shit, what were we, what was going on? <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he had that. So, so, so that's the Cleo, that's the Cleo piece. And then there's yeah. the broken science piece, which is, I, I, um, I know Emily has given you guys a lot and it's a lot. And some of it's even over my head and I've heard it a thousand times, the induction and the popper stuff. I'm slowly starting to get it. But the broken science is basically big picture. I want people to understand my interpretation is it is a, um, a curriculum for lack of a better word that Emily and Greg are working on along with some powerhouse powerhouse people like like crazy powerhouse uh, scientists um, who those of you who are going to Phoenix will actually get to meet in person and shake hands with and hang out with um, that basically gives every human being the tools to not be duped. It allows you to critically think they're going to be tools that give people critically uh, powers of critical thought so that they can look at something and unravel even the most complicated issues. Right. So not to be duped. That's right. And I mean, I like my lofty goal is to really like, just like you just said, like sort of restore critical thinking and arm people with the confidence to be able to read, whether it's like news or a scientific journal or whatever, and say like, wait a minute, this isn't at all what you're purporting it to be, right? Or this isn't enough information for me to make a good decision about my health or my family's health, right? Or my kids. And, you know, I mean, honestly, to branch out a little bit, I think science, you know, we call it the empirical branch of knowledge and there's a purity to it, right? It's not supposed to be politicized. It's not supposed to be opinion-based. And our entire sort of like cultural fabric has become some so subjective that it goes back to this sort of idea of a social, you know, sort of a moral compass, right? Or a social compact. Like we're, we're at a point where Everything has become so um, relative, right? Which I now have like sort of traced the philosophy of this back. And Popper was actually really influenced by Kant. And Kant had this whole idea of like, what is truth? Like my truth might be different than your truth, right? And in a philosophical realm, that's fine, right? Like we can have these conversations. That's entirely different than saying like my understanding and scientists really latched onto this in the 70s where they had this idea of like, you know, Kant's idea of truth is applicable in science because like when we call something red is an example that's often given. Well, red at noon is a totally different wavelength than red at sunset. Mm. So red is not red. And it's like, well, no, actually now we know we have tools to measure wavelength. So we can say like red is in a spectrum that goes from this to this at different times a day. But what happens is people start peeling this stuff back, right? And I feel like my older sister is like a pretty famous art historian. And I was talking to her about it. She was like getting upset that we were talking about Popper and we didn't speak German. So like that gives you an idea of my family and like how. (laughs) Where did she go to school? Where did she go to school? She went to University of Chicago and then she got her PhD at Harvard. And then uh, she of course. the youngest tenured professor, I think, at University of Chicago ever. She's wow, very- you can tell her to throw that Harvard degree away. She's very smart. But 
I was saying to her, you know, we see this in art too, right? Like the, the masters used to be doing cadavers. They wanted to make sure that anatomically they had everything perfectly accurate, right? Right. Now we have art that's all literally expressly designed to create an emotional reaction in me. Like that's, that's interesting. And in the realm of art, it's a different kind of experience, but it's become this relativistic, it's my experience that right like even my nine-year-old daughter has said to me like you know I, i'll be like hey go you got to go clean your room and she's like mom you know it kind of makes me uncomfortable when you say i have to go clean my room and i'm like who the fuck taught you that yeah 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 <laughs> you mean so when you say reactionary you mean like making the virgin mary out of poop or like bansky painting like stuff right. on the it's okay, not, okay, it's okay. not like a you're not trying to depict something perfectly right right Right. And instead, you're trying to depict something that evokes a response from people in that my reaction to it might be different than yours. But like, I feel a connection to this thing. And I like I'm all for all that. I'm not against modern art. But I right. think this is a very different depiction. And both I think science and art represent what's going on in the culture. And I think we've become subjective and we've become this. I mean, like I like from the news perspective, you see this so clearly where it used to be like hard news was like fact-based, right? You did all this work to take out any opinion and now it's all opinion, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I feel, I talked to this person who feels like, I don't fucking care if you feel or not. What are the- Or it's word, lots of word fuckery too and, and, and analysis. Right. Like I don't need like, here you're about to see a brutal depiction of a lion eating a deer. No, I don't. I don't need your fucking brutal- I don't need your word brutal in there. Right. I don't need you to tell me how to feel about this. Well, and also like I was always taught that like good writing is like you're not you don't describe things that you don't tell people how to feel. Right. 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 You have enough information that you make right. the person feel right. that thing. Right. Right. The three inch the three inch canines of the lion penetrated the gazelle's neck all the way down to its gums and blood poured out faster than you could pour water out of a cup. OK, now I can decide. Wow, that was good. Thank you. That was descriptive. I love you both. I got to run to Hayward Fire Department. Bye. Love you. Say hi to the firefighters. You're doing God's work. I will. Uh, I'll let them know. Uh, probably not God's work. Hey, probably one of the apostles' work. Probably one of the apostles' work. They listen to you now, so you give them right, a shout good. out on your own. All right. All right. Love you guys. Hayward Hayward PD. I used to work at Bronco Billy's fire. Pizza Palace. Fire department. Fire department. Yeah, yeah. Fire. They're all, you're all the same. I mean, of course, the firefighters. <laughs> I apologize. Jody Lynn, $99 for Sevon's therapy session to deal with Kimmel Kaplan. Oh, connection. yay. Thank you. Um, is, is there, how are how, so tell me about the CrossFit book, um, Instagram account. What is that Instagram account re represent? It, it seems like it's morphed. Like you were writing a book and now it's starting to lean towards, um, uh, kind of this drumbeat of the, of this Glassman of, of just Greg Glassman's more profound moments. Yeah. And I mean, also may, and may, maybe taking shots at dumb shits too. Right. And I think, you know, part of it was, um, I mean, I launched Thank you, Caleb. in part the page mm -hmm. because there were other people who said that they were going to be writing books, right? Yes, yes. And I was sort of like, how, who are these other people? And they haven't talked to anybody. <laughs> like none of my sources had talked to them, right? So I was like, that's right. so weird. And then there was just a lot of stuff that I feel like, you know, spending a lot of time with Greg in real time that like we would see happening in the community and we'd be like, what the fuck? That's not how it went. Right. Or that's not what it was. So I was like, I'm going to use this page as a place to correct the record. Right. Okay. And call things out. But also there is, I mean, honestly, I think the CrossFit 
website is encyclopedic in how much good information is on there, right? And this goes back to like when Greg and I first met and I recognized the work you guys were doing was profound, right? Like on health, on exercise, and also like culture. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that's that's still there. And so I sort of have felt like, I made an editorial calendar for the year for that page, right? And I sort of went through and I've created like sort of themes for different things that I know will come up at different times, right? But really trying to pull from that because I feel like, I don't think most people, and maybe this is wrong, but I don't think most people have any idea how much is on that site. That's worth reading and rereading and rereading and rereading. No, of course they don't. It's not even pushed to the front. Right. In, so like, in, 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 all, in all fairness, it was all taken down while Greg was there. It was taken down in 2018. Right. And I think, I mean, I I think that's too bad. So I yeah, think it's, it's so too bad. Hey, and not only that, if you own, whoever owns CrossFit is absolutely nuts to not. Well, pull I, all that shit up to the front and, and re-release the app that we used to have that makes it so every time they published and they should publish it to it every day. So you get the notification on your app and you go back to it and it should yeah. be recommending articles every single day. Do you like all these other apps? Send me notifications like I got a notification just now. Six think, of them. You know, the ideas that you have around that and that you mm-hmm. had before. I think when you had them before, they were ahead of their time. Right. And I mean, I think Greg has acknowledged that. And I think, yeah, yeah. they're simple ideas. It's not invented. Uh, Nick ship. Emily is a bad, I'll say it, bitch. She is pretty, she is pretty bad. Thank you. Um, that's a compliment. I I don't know if you know that. You listen to that's rap vernacular. That's rap vernacular. I got it. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like all, like you had, you were prescient in seeing the future of technology and video and all that stuff. Right. And it's, it's a it's a travesty that that hasn't been grabbed right the way that you saw it years ago and it's still not being harnessed and so i think part of the page i mean the page is really like a legacy project in a way right for greg it's a holding place for the most mm. important information that i think people need to know about him in addition and it, it's also honestly like through my reporting and for the book I go back and watch those things. And I think like, wow, these are great, right? Like somebody, I'm not the only one who's going to think they're great. I'm not going to hoard them all. And they're not all going to be in the book. So let's create a platform where we can share all these things and remind the community of how important they were and how foundational they were and how ahead of their time they were. Right. Um, And so it's, it's sort of a combo, you know, and it's not like completely all worked out strategically, but like, have you given up on an actual book? No, the book I've written a lot of it. I think that the big is it historical? Is it like do we hear Greg was born into a major next to a donkey and a horse in 1959? Is it like that? Like from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, it's like the formula for the book is a hero's journey, right? Okay, familiar with that? It's like he's born into a family that he kind of rejects because it's so much science and it's so much sort of um, rigor, right? And then he has to leave the nest to go. You talk about that landscape of LA too, just his crazy childhood and like having polio and all that. Yep. And all the people that he grew up with. Yeah. Yeah. Incubator. Right. Yeah. Um, And just what it was like to grow up in this sort of like rocket science community. Right. Where like everybody's dad on the block is like reading the, you know, trade publication on rocket science and how it was just sort of like common discourse and how different that is. But I think he had to leave the nest, right? And go out on his own and reject all of that in order to recognize how important it was and how fundamental it would be in his life's work. The reason the book isn't out yet is because there are some big questions. Who bought CrossFit, right? Which you know, I've been working really hard to nail down. 
Um, and also broken science is the ending. I mean, it's like what happens with broken science will has to be included in this. And Greg teases me all the time that, cause like, I don't want to be in the book. And he's like, you got to be in the book now, kiddo, because of all these things that have happened. Um, but I think it's, it's such a, what he's doing now with broken science is so important and profound. Yes. And he thinks it's way bigger than what CrossFit ever was. Right. Like, and he tells me that all the time. And I think I trust him. And I think like, I can't, well, write, it is, it is right. I can't trust, I can't write his biography without having the most important part come to fruition in a way. Right. Will you change the name of the book? You think, you think it'll be called Greg Glassman or you think it'll be called the CrossFit book or can you even call it that the CrossFit book? Um, I think I can do whatever I want because I think what okay. a lot of people don't realize is that Greg retained the rights to his stuff. Right. Okay. So if he gives me the rights to use them, we'll figure all that out. But I think, and I, I mean, the book isn't going to be bad for CrossFit. Right. And so it's like, I mean, I've had a lot of people be like, Oh, like, you know, during the cancellation period, there was a lot of media that was trying to stir up old drama. Right. Like, people drinking a lot or having affairs or whatever like that. I don't have any interest in that. That's not what this book is about. This book is about Greg being a visionary and it's really about CrossFit as a business model, wildly disrupting the industry as an example that other people could follow, right? About doing good, empowering people, not trying to be greedy. It's not about making a lot of money. It's about, as he says, like the pie gets bigger and my slice stays the same percentage, but my slice gets bigger too right? It's, it, it throws on its head what people are learning in business school, which I love. Um, and I think it can be replicated, you know? And so I think it would be one of those things, um, at MIT, but my dad, what's, what, what's LEM? It's the lunar excursion module. How did this guy know that? I mentioned it. Oh shit. Um, you mentioned your dad in this interview. Yes, I did. I said that he and Greg's dad had similar. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Backgrounds. Bad listener, bad listener, Sevi. Jeff, don't do that again. Don't expose me again. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I think like, you know, and also I don't think anybody's heard the whole story of the cancellation, right? And like how that went down and how fucked up it was and who was actually behind it, right? So all those things need to be- Do you think you could get to the truth of that? I have, I've gotten a lot. Like, I mean, I don't want to name names because I probably should have a lawyer vet that first, but I think- right. That, there were individuals who were, we can say this, there were individuals who were behind it, who were pushing the narrative because they were trying to buy the business and they were trying to actively devalue the business by saying bad things about Greg and having people believe them. I mean, like we could talk about Floyd 19. I, I still feel like people don't fucking get that. Right. And it's amazing that so many people can't explain what he meant by Floyd 19. And at the same time, like jumped on the bandwagon and were like, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. It's like you're none out. Of, none of the I'm out posts. None of the I'm out. All the I'm, I'm out posts are, are idiot writing. All of them just say, I don't stand by Greg. And it's, it's a whole page of writing, but they never say what Greg said. They're never like, oh my God, I saw a swastika. He lifted up his shirt and I saw a swastika tattooed on his ribs. Like there's nothing, there's nothing where I'm like, like, wait, what did he do? It's all, it's all just abstract. It's crazy. No, I mean, uh, I, keep yeah. spilling. Uh, we won't tell anybody. Paper Street Coffee, 100 bucks. Yay. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you. I like the money coming in. It makes me feel good about supporting Sevi. So bring it. Thank you. Okay. So so tell me, what did what does Floyd 19 mean? So, I mean, I think, okay, there's a couple of things. Like, if we go back to that time, he had been tweeting at the IHME, right, which had come up with COVID models. And he, as a math guy, recognized that their models were flawed. We had the Royal College in London, 
with Neil Ferguson putting out similar models. At that point, they had retracted theirs and apologized and basically said, like, we got this wrong. Now, anybody who looked at those models early on, you had Aaron Ginn on, right? Like, he knows this stuff really well. Yeah. They were, I mean, like, we didn't have, they were telling us how many people are going to die. We didn't even have tests. We didn't know how many people had it. How do you have it? You know, there's no denominator. So how are you coming up with any kind of projections of the spread? Like, there was so much about it that was, like, illogical from, you know, an elementary perspective. And I think it was driving Greg. Elementary. Yeah. Right. So I think that stuff was really like that was in the background for him and it was driving him crazy. And he couldn't believe that we were making these massive decisions that were going to clearly have long term impact. Right. And without really doing any of the math or the, the using the math to justify bad science. Um, and so what happened was instead of apologizing, the IHME came out and they said they were going to start modeling racism as a public health crisis. And I think Greg lost his mind because he was like, you just modeled COVID and let us into fucking quarantine. That's going to cause inflation and it's going to like more overdoses. I mean, like kill people, it's going to kill people. And so um, he was basically like, I mean, I think Floyd 19 specifically, he felt like Floyd had the same number of letters as COVID. Right. He was trying to be clever, but he also included a quote. He was clever right under the Floyd 19 thing. That was a quote from the Journal of Infectious Disease, right? And it was a <laughs> retrospective that was looking from the plague, I think, through flu A or H1N1. And it was looking at the use of quarantine, right, through all these pandemics. And it basically came, this peer-reviewed journal article came to the conclusion that using quarantine is a tool of segregation, that it disproportionately impacts minority groups or the disadvantaged groups within, within any population. And so, so wait a second. So you're saying he was standing up for these people. Correct. He was saying it wasn't, because, a, it wasn't a racist tweet. It was actually standing was up for people. It was with, the opposite. He was basically I know. You guys have done with your modeling is fucking racist. You've quarantined so, people and it's going to disproportionately impact all the minority groups that are suffering in this country. And now you're telling us that we should trust you with something like racism. So the, all the people who said I'm out are actually the racist because they were upset that Greg was standing up for these people. Is, I don't think we should call people racist for saying okay. that. Scumbags think, that hate colored people. I, I would you're say saying that. all the athletes that said I'm out actually hate black people, melanated people, Mexicans, uh, like poor Jews. Just kidding. There's no poor Jews. Uh, character, right? It's like you didn't take the time to like, I mean, people who knew Greg, who called him racist, didn't even bother to call him and say, hey, buddy, like, what the fuck did you mean by that? Yeah. Right. What about this thing where it was insensitive? It's it, it sounds it sounds like it's it, that doesn't even have a place anymore when you explain it like that. It's the exact opposite of sensitive, insensitive. It was very sensitive. It was insensitive in that he gave people too much credit intellectually. He but was, it was sensitive in the fact that he was he was people were smart enough to know he was, what he meant and they didn't. And so he was, was looking out for people who were uh, underserved, underrepresented, uh, underrepresented, had less money than than in less intellectual horsepower to defend themselves. Correct. It's it's, this is fucking maddening. So what happens? This is maddening. What should we do to those people? How come those people aren't coming out in hordes and apologizing? I I mean, I think it's like a stoning. That's the closest thing that I can equate it to, right? Like in sort of literature, you hear about stonings and somebody walks by and they throw a stone and they see somebody else throwing a stone and they don't want the stone being thrown at them. So they pick up a stone and they start throwing it. Right. And the person's like fucking innocent who's getting stoned, let's say. Right. And it's like, that's what happened. I mean, I feel like the Reebok thing drove me crazy. Like 
you, you can go, I have Greg's whole Twitter account, right? You can go through and there are like, I mean, I can't even tell you how aggressive he was about hating Reebok, right? He sued them. He was never going to do a deal with Reebok again. Reebok comes out with the statement and is basically like, we, you know, we were thinking about redoing our contract at the end of this year. It's like, you didn't have a fucking chance. It's like me dumping you yeah. and you going around and telling people like, I broke up with her first. Right. He, right. He publicly broke up with you on Twitter over and over and over again. Right. And now you're going to like jump on this bandwagon yeah. and try yeah. and get some like social cred. Like, are you kidding? So Reebok, basically, if the, the understand Reebok also hates people with melanated skin. That sucks. The Nano 2 is really nice shoe. That's too bad. It's amazing. It really is amazing. I, I want uh, maybe Reebok to apologize someday. You think they're going to apologize? You think they're going to apologize someday? Oh my God, we're so sorry. Are they going to wait till he's dead? There are people who have not the big named people. But when I on the page explained some of this, there were actually a number of people who reached out and were like, I'm so glad you explained this. I never knew what it was. I got really caught up in the moment. I feel terrible. Would you please tell him that I'm sorry? That And you know what? Greg will forgive anybody. I know. I know. He will forgive anybody. And I, that so, is for sure. It's one of those things where there are people who are you know, using his name, going around, quoting him, maybe sometimes not attributing it. Even this whole like magic of CrossFit thing. Like, I think it's great that his name's being dropped sometimes, but a lot of the people who are saying that stuff were behind all of this. And that right. does not sit well with me. I do not like that. Like you come right. make amends, right? Or right. do what you have to do, but don't like use him now in some way to better yourself when you haven't actually done what's right from an integrity standpoint. I shot Martin Luther King, but now I use Martin Luther King quotes. Right. Uh, Natalie Bates, dollar ninety nine. Uh, that's not enough for me to read that out loud. Sorry, no, I'm joking. Uh, virtue signaling uh, lemmings. I don't even know if they there's are they. I mean, like there, there's a guy I interviewed, um, who says that he was he takes credit for some of this, which is interesting. And takes credit was, for what? Some of what? For Greg getting canceled. And he basically said to me, I um. I wanted to call attention to the fact that CrossFit wouldn't put up the black square. And so I started making messages and posting around about it and whatever. And I had, Oh no yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Is he out of the, is he East coast guy? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, it like just basically like went off the rails, right? Like he did not expect it to go the way that it did, but once it did, he couldn't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same as like when Greg had the call with the black affiliates, he had black affiliates texting him that were on that call being like, dude, like this is a trap. They're recording. Someone's recording you. I can't say anything because I don't want to look like I'm, you know, against the other black affiliate owners. But like this is crazy, right? And it was like nobody wanted to be. I mean, I will say you. The were, call was crazy, by the way, and they were complete assholes to fucking Greg. They were fucking. They were not. They didn't behave like humans. It was. So, it was not. You don't treat anyone like that. Especially someone who's giving you the foundation and the methodology to run a business with a, such a low barrier to entry, who's been so good to you. Anyway, sorry, what were you going to say? Were you going to say something nice about me? I hate it when I cut people off who are about to pat me on the back. Well, go I mean, I feel like just to go back in time to that moment. So what was happening was I was in like the final draft of my NSCA story, which was a long form piece, right? And my editor- I Can't wait to hear about that. My editor basically was like, well, now you got to write about how this guy's a racist. And I was like, what? Like he's he's not a racist. And I had just spent the weekend at his house. You were there- 
with the guys from Compton where he was like opening a free box in Compton because they have the highest diabetes rates in California. And he thought he could have a bigger impact by opening a free CrossFit box and putting his best trainers there and doing all this stuff. Right. And I just was like, but he's not a racist. Can I write a piece about how he's not a racist? And she said to me, you can, but then we can't run your NSCA piece, which I'd been working on for a year. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, it'll look like you're biased. And I just was like, oh my God. And Greg had been calling me being like, what do I do? This PR firm is telling me to apologize. And I was like, I don't think you should apologize. You never had somebody to, you know, you didn't stand up and make announcements about why, you know, wait, what is the saying? Black affiliates, why do we- Hey, this is a fair question. You're right. It is stupid. You're right. But but at the time, that's the way it was characterized. And I apologize. I should say that. There should not be a separation between black affiliates and white affiliates. But for some reason during that time, there was this, the black affiliates wanted to meet with Greg. And like Emily is saying, a, a large chunk of those those affiliate owners were like, this is fucking crazy. So what ha- Yeah. And just so I realized we should give more context to that after the, I swear to God, if Sevi ends the show to go skating today, I'm not, I'm, I have, I have time. I have as much, I'm, I'm, I can outlast Emily maybe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, but I feel like we should address that because that yeah. was a specific call with black affiliate owners. It wasn't yeah. trying to like sum up all the black affiliate owner populations. There was a group of people who were all happened to be black who wanted to have a call with Greg about what, had happened with the tweet. So that's why we're talking about it like that. It's right. not every black or African-American affiliate owner. It was a specific group of people. Okay. Um, so, but anyway, so I basically was like now stuck in this position where I was like, I either defend Greg in writing or I have this story that I've worked on forever. Right. So I was like having, and I had already had this Washington post thing happen where I was like really turned off with the opportunities that were presenting themselves for actual reporting I wanted to do. So Greg was sort of saying to me, like, what do I do? Like, they're telling me to apologize. And I was like, apologize for what? Like, and I'm not a PR person, but like, that just seems nuts to me. Right. And, um, and then <laughs> the PR guy quit, was fired. I don't know if you remember all of that. And Greg and Brett called me and were basically like, please, can you help? And so I got on the phone with the New York Times. Oh, I do remember that. That's the Canadian guy. Yep. And I basically okay. was like, Greg, if I do this, I can never be a journalist again. Like I can't cross over and ever go back. Right. And so I, but I also got to the point where I felt like I couldn't sit on the sidelines and watch him be taken down knowing it was wrong and had the ability to potentially help and not help. So I retired from journalism at that moment, got in the trenches, got on the phone with a New York Times reporter who had been canceled on twice, which by the way, is not a good start to things. Mm -hmm. Um, and she had been told all kinds of stuff and she was asking questions about like, oh, I heard at this affiliate gathering that people were drinking and hooking up with each other. And I was like, is that illegal? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What is the story? And she was, she basically, she had this idea that it was a toxic workplace, right? So that was when the allegations went from being racist to switching over to being toxic workplace and sexual harassment. Right. Yeah. And yep. Brett was on that call with me, and I think he was shitting himself on the other line because he was sending me messages. He still works there, like, right? Does Brett still work yeah. at CrossFit Inc.? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I was like, I'm sorry, are you at the New York Times? And the reporter was like, yeah. And I was like, so are you in the newsroom? Like, do you know so-and-so and so-and-so who were, like, probably, like, fucking last night? Like, she was acting as though the news, like, no one hooks up at work, right? Right. No one right. drinks too much. Like you're in the news business. I'm sorry. Like you got to be kidding me. And so I said to her, like, these are like young, super hot people traveling on the road. And these stories you're talking about are like 10 years ago. Like, what is right. the story? 
what are you getting at? Like Greg hasn't even been in the office, right? Like this is another right. thing that like people don't realize. He wasn't in the office for like five years. I don't know right. how he was going around like asking to see people's boobs and stuff. Like, which first of all, is, like hysterical to me. And, and this was but during like, the Me Too thing too. They were just trying to drag. It was like the Me Too movement was like a black hole. They're just trying to okay, what the every story had to be either Me Too or black light or uh, racist, right? Right. So so okay, they had and to have I think that connection. That was also part of why there wasn't fact checking, because it was like these stories were doing really well, right? And so you could get tons of hits off of them. And everybody just sort of assumed, like, you, you know, people, women don't make this stuff up. Well, so one of the women behind that I knew had just made an offer on CrossFit. And so I said to the reporter, you know, your primary source in this is trying to buy the company. And she was like, no, I didn't know that. And I was like, well, she is. And so you have to consider that as an ulterior motive. And so that sort of developed a rapport with her and I, I think partly calling her shit on like, people don't hook up at work. Like what do you, like what is rape problematic? hooking up, like, what are we talking about? Right. Um, and I think people are often scared to call reporters out on that. But it's like, I said to her, I was like, I was a journalist yesterday. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but like, I want to walk you through this stuff. And to her credit, her future drafts of stories, she would call me and we would go through line by line and I'd counter them. And what I was going to say about you was that there were some dates of incidents that never happened that were allegations that you were able to help me untangle by looking at photographs. And I had access to all of, you know, credit card receipts and all kinds of things because I knew we could rip forensic information from those. And it wouldn't be a he said, she said, it would be very conclusively like he wasn't here. And I mean, there was an allegation against you. Can we talk about this? Where sure, like you were in sure. another country, right? Like for yeah, months. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was a, like, it was a really gnarly allegation about me. You're talking about Southern California? Yes. Yeah, that was fucking absolutely nuts. And I, I think I was in Ushuaia getting ready to go to Antarctica. Thank God right. I had those pictures. Yeah. And thank God you sent – that would have been published, and I would have not been able to say don't do anything about it if you hadn't stopped that. But, I mean, there, And there was a lot of that. I'd so never even you know, been to that hotel, by the way, in my life or that city. I That's not that's one city I'd never even – I don't think I've, I've ever even been to. So was, the that other that shit was nuts. Hey, and I, I just want to say this in defense of Greg too – while Emily is doing this, you might think that, like, well, this is a no brainer. Greg didn't want to defend himself. Greg thought that like he because he thinks so clearly he was like, none of this is true. Why do I have to prove my innocence? So as they were just throwing out dates of these things that they were supposedly saying were happening. And Emily scrambling to be like, hey, that couldn't have happened then because this was happening then and this couldn't have happened. And she was basically showing and using pictures and and schedules. But but Greg was kind of like, fuck you. I'm not going to sit here and prove my innocence. Like, right? Yeah, well, I think he was, I think he was in shock. I mean, I think what he said to me privately, I mean, we'll be in the book, so not really privately, but like just personally, was that like he was all about fighting the outside world, right? And he knew he had lots of enemies and he knew like pharma, sugar, soda, right? Like he'd been at war with all these people and he could handle it and he liked it and it kind of energized him. Right. He felt like it was his people and like his community that wouldn't stand up for him. His heart broke. And then right, he was like, right, right. I mean, I was just saying to him, last a lot night, of people turned on him. A lot of people turned on him. Like they, they basically jumped off of the CrossFit boat and onto other boats that were sailing nearby. Yeah. Like, 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 like Julie Fouché, for yeah, example. Right. I mean, Ben Bergeron, right. that, like, unbelievable. The shit right, that right, did, right. Right. Austin Maliolo. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there was there was this idea 
probably of just like, this is a moment, right? Like people are Google searching this. I can get more followers, like really selfish shit. Then there were people who were sort of like, I know Greg's not racist and I know he doesn't rape people, but like, I don't want to be the one standing up for him because then maybe they're going to come for me. Right. 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 Um, There were very few people. And I mean, now that I've helped other people who have been canceled, one of the things I say to them is like, this is going to be really shitty. But at the end of it, you're actually going to know who your friends are. And like, I don't, I've never been canceled. So I actually don't know. Right. Like, I don't know who would be for be there for me if I was wrongly accused of something really publicly, but you will. And then you can go forward with those people and never question them. right? Right. Their loyalty to you and their sort of honor around your relationship will be tighter than it's ever been. And that's actually a gift. Right. What do you think? What do you think would have happened if Greg would have said, fuck you, all you affiliates that want to leave? Um, I, I'll I'm gonna write down a number how many affiliates I think would have left. Fuck you. Um, all you affiliates who want to leave, leave. I didn't mean anything racist by it. You guys can all eat a dick. I'm glad you're leaving. You woke turds. I think how many do you think would have left? Well, so one of the things that I did like week one uh-huh. was um got all of the numbers of, of affiliates who had left uh-huh. this morning chalk up was writing all this bullshit about how there was like a mass exodus of affiliates yep yep and now keep in mind we were during covid those gyms were all shut down for three months and right. i was i was selling my gyms at that moment which was really interesting to go through my due diligence <laughs> while greg's selling crossfit and it's like on warp speed and no one's checking anything right my little business is being like the autopsy on everything is crazy um but was you know one of the things that was crazy to me was like not very many gym facilities can withstand the financial pain of not having any revenue for months, still mm-hmm. paying rent. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's your own salary. Most people are owner operators. Right. So like, that's really rough financially. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like 450 affiliates left between the what do you have? I had 500 most. I think, I think most, 500 would have left. And not, I think I, most of those were not because of, of Greg. They were because these people had been financially wrecked hmm. and they couldn't stay on any longer. So trying to delineate down, like how many of the 450, let's say yeah. were in protest, it was a much, much, much smaller number. Like it was not the like, this was a widely, I think what happened was there were people with big platforms who were out there saying this stuff and it made it seem like there was a groundswell. There was not a groundswell. COVID had far more impact on the business than Greg's. Right, right, right. Right? Right. But it became a massive thing, right? And then Rosa comes in, doesn't do any due diligence, is out like with his fucking shirt off and all the games athletes rather than learning how to run the business. I had calls with him where he called the, the affiliates franchisees. And I had to say like, buddy, these aren't franchises. And it's like a totally different business model. And you're running around telling people you're the owner. You're, I know you're not the owner. I know you own 2%, right? And, and, uh, during the scholarship program during his first week or second week in office, he went to Cookville and hung out with rich for the week while the scholarship program went on with Chuck Carswell and Dave Castro and, uh, over in Atlanta somewhere. I thought that was so telling. Well, like also, he came you know, in with the racism card, but then when push came to shove, he got to hang out with the cool kids. And yeah. didn't go do the do the real work. Yeah. He's a douche. Um, somebody that we know, and I probably could say her name because she wouldn't really care, said Rosa bought the business to improve his online dating profile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I a lot of people were speculating that he um he was a wealthy guy looking, but he wanted to be popular. Right. Right. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. 
I don't, I like it. The, Why it, do you think Greg didn't just say fuck you and hang in there? I mean, in hindsight, I, it was, pardon I think, me? I think his heart was broken. I think he was like completely devastated personally on a level that is, you know, unimaginable to think you're in, like, you're in battle for years with all these people. And then the battle shifts directly towards you personally and they won't get your back. Like, why yeah. am I going to stay here and like keep paying all these people very high salaries when they can't even like Sherwood, like Sherwood was making probably 200,000 a year de-affiliated, but didn't have the balls to quit his job at CrossFit. That was some fucking weird shit. There was tons of that though. Right. Yeah, that was some really weird shit. I, w- I was looking around. Yeah. People were doing some crazy shit. I mean, there was a, there were a handful of um, female exec or female employees uh-huh. who agreed to give statements that I could uh-huh. share with the press mm-hmm. and they are like heroes to me because they knew that people would, you know, talk badly about them or that they would look a certain way or whatever. And they were like this, I've worked for Greg or with Greg for this long and he's never been inappropriate with me. And I can't, I like just can't stand by and do this. So it wasn't that it was everybody, but I think there were some key players in all of this who really broke his heart. And I was literally talking to him last night about this, where he was saying, he said to me, just get me to the close, right? Like, I just want to fucking sell this business and get out of here. I can't believe that these people who I have worked with and tried to help and built other businesses, like help their other businesses thrive and their personal brands and all this stuff are are lacking of integrity in such a profound way. I don't want to be around these people anymore. They're not the people I thought they were. And I think at that point, all he really cared about was Maggie and the kids and like making sure that they had enough Mm, that they could, you know, not that they wouldn't be hurt by this, I think was the message that he gave me. Uh, uh, Trish, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to do this to you, eviscerate you right here. Sherwood asked his community what they wanted and they voted. It wasn't his sole decision. Stop it. Stop it. Stop being a dumbass. And then, and then you say, at least it was, at least Sherwood was democratic about it. That's the whole, I, I can't tell if you're being joking or not, but that's the whole point of this oh, hour and 52 minutes is that consensus is idiocy. And also like leads to idiocy. Like, what do you mean? He was closer to great. How would anyone in his community be able to give him advice on Greg when Sherwood worked with Greg for fucking 15 years? I mean, come on, man. That's fuck that. There's another like sort of tangential thing that this brings up. I don't know if you remember this, but there was like a town hall meeting that I feel like Ben Bergeron and Julie and like that cohort all got together and they were like voting on who should be the new CEO of CrossFit. Did they really have one of those? Yes. And I remember being like, oh, my God, like you guys don't own the fucking business. It's not you don't get to vote and decide like who's replacing Greg. Right. Or do you have that recording where Julie called Greg? I know I have it somewhere. Do you have that recording? I have, I'm sure I do. I also have the Ben stuff where he like, you know, went out of his way to talk about how great Greg was and how it was like a business decision for him to go on Instagram and call him a racist. I mean, it's like, did those people not think that was ever going to get out? Like Greg was never going to share any of that shit. Like mind blowing. And yet they've, they've gone on, right? They're fine. Like whatever. I just think like, you know, I don't know if they are fine. I don't know if those people are fine. I don't really know. I mean, I like, I, I don't follow them. I'm not interested. Like they're, they just seem really weak. So, so to, to go back, basically in hindsight now, it was, I mean, from a strictly a financial perspective, it was brilliant because Greg sold the company COVID fucking hit and, uh, decimated the fucking gym landscape. And then now 
uh, we have people reporting uh, from uh, 60 Minutes that um, it's you're you're not fat, but you have obesity, and that it's a disease that you need medication and surgery for. And we also have that if you work out, you're a white supremacist coming down the pipeline. So he kind of got out in, in at the perfect time, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I could push back on that and say he would have had so much fun with all of that. He would have. And imagine the brand value of anyone who would have stood up to the woke crowd. Like, fuck you. He's also 65, 65. Yeah. I mean, at some point it's like, fuck, he's got to like, just do, well, I don't know if Greg knows how to, I mean, he's not a put your feet up and fish kind of guy. No, but you know, I mean, I will say like, he seems like from my outside perspective, not knowing him as well as you did. So you can speak to this better than me, but like, he's healthy. He's homeschooling his kids, right? Oh, he's way happier. He's way happier. Great stuff. He's working on big problems. Like, I feel like he's good. You know, I think like, and this is in the book too, like there was a part of him before COVID that I think felt like CrossFit had run away from him. Right. And I think he really wanted to get back to the roots of like what it was when it started, where it was really focused on health and focused on people taking ownership of their health. And I think, you know, the game stuff, which, you know, isn't, we could spend another two hours talking about all that. And like on top of the introduction of CrossFit health, right? Like he was sort of trying to figure this stuff out in his head. Like, how do I make this less complex and more simple when the applicate, like, I don't think he wanted to run a super huge business, right? I mean, he didn't even want to have affiliates, right? Like at the start of it, that's not what he wanted to do. And so I think when this all happened, there was also in the back of his mind, this idea of like, I just want to help, like, I want to get back to helping people. And that looks a little different than what CrossFit is now. And I think that has to have been part of this too, right? That like, there was a lot of, and I think, you know, I mean, you know this, like there was a lot on the executive team that was going on that was sort of crazy in terms of like people not, you know, being polarized or being unhappy or whatever. And I think. Well, we had that douchebag CEO with that douchebag mistress. Right. Yeah. Douchebags, two, two of the worst human beings but I also think like people had lost direction and like people were going yes. in their own ways. Right. And there was a lot of sort of like, are we CrossFit? We had a now? lot of turbulence. Yeah. We, we, we had lowered the sales when the storm hit or, or we had raised the sale. I, I don't know what the metaphor is, but it was a, it was a really a bad time for it to hit. We right. basically put our, since we'd gotten rid of our media, my thought is, is we'd basically put our guns down. We had no way to fight back when we were attacked because our way to fight back would have been the media team. And we had just gotten rid of the media team. Well, but there also was a, there was a lot of unrest about, um, right. I a lot of, how, a lot of people we had let go who were just waiting to attack the mothership. There were a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's a phenomenon that I find really interesting too. Like somebody works for CrossFit for two years. They've been laid off five years ago and they're still upset that they got laid off. Like that speaks yeah, volumes yeah, to the yeah, mission yeah, people felt yeah. they were attached to. Right. Like that doesn't yes. happen to your job. That's a good point. That's a really wow. good point. Yeah. And people I, loved it. There was a lot also, there was just like a lot of, I feel like infighting, like I, I like, I mean, again, like my analogy would be like, it was sort of like a family, right? And Greg's the dad and everybody's trying to like get proximity to dad. And it's like, it becomes like a distraction from actually like doing the work. Right. And I think all of that stuff led to people like, you know, feeling, 
like Greg meets people and the, their lives are changed forever. Right. 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 I don't think that he carries that with him. He can't. Right. Like he has to be just as friendly and nice because it's his personality to the taxi driver as he does to the people who are working for him. And he's genuinely interested in like what your story is and what your background is and all this stuff. And I think when people then feel separated from him, they t- they it's like they're personally rejected in this profound way that makes them angry at him. Right. And that's sort of what I mean by his generosity. It's like he's so generous and then people come to expect it and they get mad. Whereas if he hadn't been generous in the first place, maybe they wouldn't have ever had that expectation or entitlement or whatever. And then they wouldn't be mad. Right. And I think because CrossFit is such a mission rather than a business, these things became very complex. Right. In terms of the dynamics of employees and all that other stuff. And I think that was, I mean, I think it was hard on all of you, right? I don't think it was, a, I don't think there was a simple solution to it, but I think it got greatly exaggerated when the crisis hit because people were yeah. sort of like, you know. In hindsight, it's awesome. <laughs> in hindsight, it's an amazing story. We were out at sea and the whale bit off the front of the boat and we all made it to shore. I mean, it's, I love stories. I it, People ask me all the time, like, w- why I make decisions I make to continue down certain paths that I continue. It's because I want to be witness to the end of the story. Most people, like, of course, everyone's, your, your friend who turns into a heroin addict and steals your car, you stop being friends with them. Fuck that. I'm leaning in. I want to see how this fucking thing ends. You know what I mean? It's like, holy shit. How, what happens next? You know what I mean? I mean, you don't leave your keys around anymore. Right. Live and learn. Yeah. But like, Hey, I think that, um, I think that I would guess that 99% of the people who ran away with the mob who, uh, and, and, and like, you know, ran a hundred feet away from Greg and then turned, turned and faced him and started throwing rocks at him. Regret yeah. it. Don't you? Well, what I mean, a I fucking think- huge mistake you made. Now you have a horrible seat. Now you, the story's turned uh, and you're now the villain and you have a horrible seat. <laughs> I mean, it's like the other thing, you know, just practically speaking, right? Like if any of those people had ever actually thought like 10 steps ahead, they would have thought, okay, who's going to buy the company? I mean, maybe they really believe that they could like, well, why do they have to step do 10 steps ahead? Emily, why can't they just be good people? Well, that's right. Why do they have to be like, why do like were- these they were all making these calculated decisions. They like were surrendering the idea that they were good people because they didn't do the right thing. Right. So like, okay. Okay. (laughs) Because they were looking out for themselves, right? They're bad people and they have bad calculus is what you're saying Looking out for themselves. And they were dumb because like, honestly, like if you have your own brand and you're selling fish oil, right. And Greg doesn't want anything to do with fish oil. So he's like, great, you make fish oil, go for it. Right. Now you have a company that's coming in with investor backing and they're thinking all those fish oil companies are scraps on the table that he left behind. That's money that we could be making. Why yeah. don't we make CrossFit fish oil? That's yeah. not good for that business. That's not good for that individual with the brand to have yeah. somebody who's going to grab their market share. No. Yeah. Right. It's like, great. It's like the devil, you know, right? Like Greg was awesome about stimulating local CrossFit economy. Right. The ecosystem of CrossFit is like billions of dollars worth of stuff. Right. So you can see why like private equity is like, what the fuck? Right. Like, yeah. How did he let Rogue happen? How did he let RX bar happen? Yeah. All of these things. Right. And Greg was very clear. I professionalizing the trainer space. Right. That's what I do. Bright and shiny objects. You can have them. I don't want them. Right. People with the bright and shiny objects should have recognized somebody else is going to come in and they're going to want my bright and shiny object. Right. Like this isn't going to be so easy to run my business. 
And that's, that's yet to play out fully, but I think I mean, it's got to be in the cards, right? Because like, that's what I would do if I was running a private equity firm and I bought CrossFit, I'd be making uh, like right. home delivery kits for workout stuff that you can do on our online program here. I had to release the bar already. Right. Hey, um, do you think the, 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 the NSCA case ever, like, is, is there a time when that's going to get released when we're going to know what happened? I have I have a new inside source who yeah. is giving me some good information on that it was a massive payout. Okay, because I heard, um, I, I don't think from the same source that the reason why I know it's not the same source, and um, that the re well, I guess I don't can't know anything, but no, the reason that. why that it wasn't released is that the payout was so massive that they were they knew the affiliates would have their feelings hurt. That they, you know what I mean? Like they, they can do the math. If there's 10,000 affiliates and they pay $3,000, that's. I, I don't know that I would give the, anybody credit for thinking about the affiliate feelings. I think I would think like, okay, we're, we bought this company for this much. The company has lost a significant amount. Every initiative that Rosa put forward failed miserably. Right. Yeah. So like we should say, you know how much they lost on the Julie Fouché initiative. I heard it's over a million dollars. What I heard about that, and I haven't confirmed, so it's like opinion, whatever, is yeah. that the deal was signed and paid in full and was never delivered on, which feels like some sort wow. of- Wow. 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 Oh, dang. Okay. And so do you think the NSC- so the, I don't think N anybody can talk about the NSCA because it was signed under terms of strict confidentiality. So like they would have to- But people know, right? A dozen people know. Yeah. Does Don know? I doubt. I well, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. I don't know. I mean, like if Don knew, he wouldn't be allowed to tell anybody. But Rosa knows. Rosa knows because he was the CEO at the time, and, and had so to authorize it probably. I mean, I'm sure the board had to, the you know investors had to sign off on it. The conspiracy theory, obviously, is that like that was part of the sale of CrossFit, right? That whoever bought CrossFit bought it to settle that case. Because here's the thing about the NSCA that still is so troubling to me is the NSCA was that that whole thing was about licensure. So they were going to make it illegal to be a CrossFit trainer, which was a, you know, multi-thousand dollar fine if you personal trained without their certificate or certification or a year in prison. That's what that was about. Okay. Explain now, that to me a little bit more. Is that the thing that happened in Washington, DC where they were, where we had to get it reversed? And it died in Florida, but it was it that was all over the country, local bills. So they were trying to make it so anyone who teaches fitness anywhere in the United States would have to get a, even if they had a CrossFit level one, they would have to go through the NSCA and pay some money to to get licensure to do it. Kind of like the way you have to get a license to cut hair. Correct. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, and so the thing is with the lawsuit, right? Like it it was at the end. Like when I was reporting on it, the federal judge had said that it was the most egregious case of scientific misconduct and fraud she'd seen in her 25 years on the bench. It was the worst case of scientific misconduct she'd ever seen. They were at a point to determine damages, right? It, there was no question of like guilt or innocence, right? And that's all public record. So like they can't seal that. So what happens is, and this is really important because I don't think people realize this, was that it wasn't just the, and the licensure thing was enough to like really go to war over. But the other part of this that's fundamental is that like they're the main competitor, right? So 
they didn't have enough money. Like I had been following their money and it had been, they had been trying to like siphon money into their nonprofit and their nonprofit was paying their legal bills, which was like completely unethical, but they would have been dead. They would have had to declare bankruptcy. They never would have been able to fund enough to pay off the damages. Right. In the lawsuit against CrossFit Inc. Right. Against Greg. Okay. CrossFit had won. It like, it was done. Right. It was determined that this is they're at fault. Right. And it was bad. And then you think about how many news stories printed CrossFit kills, CrossFit injures. All of that stuff is computed into what the damages should be. Right. So you have and Greg's whole thing is like the currency of victory is light. I don't want to settle this. I want the world to know. I want this. I mean, he had that whole great saying about how, like, I have a glass case of scientific misconduct and formaldehyde right here for people to be able to study later. Museum quality specimen. Yes. Right. How did they do this to us? I want it all public. So every time that they came and they said, hey, let's settle. We'll give you this much money. Greg said, fuck you. Yeah. And the judge was even tripping. Right. I remember the judge was tripping like, dude, you're not going to take this money. Greg's like, no, no, because it wasn't about money. It was about clearing the affiliates name. That was it. That was all he cared about. Right. And so to settle does two things. It prevents that from being a massive news story. These people lied. They made it up. CrossFit doesn't cause injuries. This injury data was all fabricated, right? The peer review process was all fucked up and not done as a peer review process. Like every aspect of that was interesting for the public to know, but it would have cleared the name that CrossFit causes injuries. It would have been a huge story, right? So you prevent that, but you also are keeping your competitor alive, which I cannot understand, right? Now, sure, they could have, the American Beverage Association is funding all their shit. They could have popped up as a new organization. William Kramer would have been running the, you know, now we're going to call it something, you know, the American whatever, right? Rather than national, or they would have done something stupid, but they would not have been as strong as they were. They would have had to start from the ground up. How can you literally, like, be about to stump out your main competition for certifications and not do it and settle? Right. Right. Clear the name of your entire company and everybody who's been working for you saying like, we don't cause injuries. We're functional fitness. Anybody can do this. Right. Right. For money like that's I mean, you can't get more opposite than Greg's approach. So that's something I wish the community was more rallied around and would say, like, can somebody from HQ explain to us what the fuck happened? Because that was my reputation as a local. affiliate. Why don't you think they are? You think that just the affiliates are too busy running their day to day? I think that part of what happened. Like, why would you care about Floyd 19, but you don't care about what happened to the single greatest threat ever facing your gym that's been buried? And to to be honest with you, now that Greg's not um, looking out for that, it's got to be coming back somewhere. This thing is going to come back. It's already back. Look at I like they CrossFit had a post about um, like health in 100 words, I think, maybe a month ago. And I was looking at it in the comments and there were like. Oh, this is ridiculous. Like you shouldn't be giving nutrition advice. You're not an RD. Like, oh, carbs aren't that bad. Like I eat sugar. And, <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? Like if we had the, if the Russells were in play, they would have decimated those comments. Yeah. Like, no one's moderating that. Yeah. No one's correcting it for what CrossFit believes is right. That's nuts. Right. So, uh, I mean, it is already, I think you already see the erosion of, Hey, look at this girl's hair too. Hey, will you click on her? I love CrossFit. I love doing it. I love watching uh, it. I wish they leave nutrition alone. Cause it's misguided. You can eat sugar folks. Just know your moderation. Click on that. 
Let me click on her. Of course, you fucking troll. You woke fucking moron. You see, like, I feel like when you guys were running the show, like, you would have, you know, challenged those people, explained why they were wrong, explained, like, why that's not believed. That's not happening at all. There's none of that content going on. Um, And hey, how stupid is she, too? She doesn't even understand. Well, can you view the replies on that? I want to see if anyone smashes her. Like, I got to put my glasses on. Oh, you're right. It is just idiot central. Oh and my god. Oh my goodness. And I mean, I think that was part of it, right? Like Greg has his joke about how he sold the Hell's Angels to Costco. And I think like you see it in some of this sort of like detail where like people aren't and it doesn't have to be angry, right? It can be just like, hey, guys, like, not really. Like, this is why, you know, insulin's problematic or whatever. But oh, no Oh, res- my goodness. Yeah, you'd have fun going. Yeah, wow. That. She's really in there. Okay, so she's a shill even. Wow. God, please don't well, respond to people like who that. have private accounts. People have private accounts are just the worst. And Click on that, ladies. Click on that well, one's Elite well, Nutrition. Let me see this moron. Oh my goodness. Hey, these are God, it's crazy. Okay. I hey I, I why are so many people the oh, different show? Just all the influencer anytime I see posts like that, anytime I see so much effort being in, put in posts and stuff like that, I just I just know you're a fucking fool a tool and a charlatan. It's like what were they putting graphics together? That's harsh. Uh, yeah, to 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 push their agenda. Like, how about just anything authentic? It's like every single one of your posts is just every single one of your posts is just uh uh polished. It's like it's it's like hey, it's like a fucking a guy and then getting up early in the morning before he wakes up to put your makeup on so he doesn't see what he fucked. It's like, come on, man, he already <laughs> fucked you. Like, show give me some like realm of authenticity. Well, so, I mean, like, okay, so you don't think business, right? They're trying to sell a product. And so it's not, they're not trying to be authentic. They're trying to sell you something. Right. I don't know how that works on people. I, there's only so much of that I could take before I un- unsubscribed you, unfollow you. Well, I think that, you know, when you had Dawn on, I watched that. And I yeah. thought, you know, your advice about like, you have like an army of people around the world, right? Yeah. Like creating content who are like, get all of this, like use them. Like that's brilliant, right? Like that's like free and it's authentic. And it's like, I mean, or cheap as shit, even like give, give. Yeah. If you build an army of filmmakers too, you'll have your own propaganda machine. I mean, that's what CrossFit was in the for the first 10 years. We had just this army of just dudes out there and girls out there with video cameras putting together videos for a hundred to ten thousand, a hundred dollars to ten thousand dollars. It was awesome. You know what Craig told me about you was that you came on and you were making these videos that were awesome and you were charging, let's say, I don't remember what the money was, but like, let's say it was like a hundred dollars a video or whatever. And they were yeah. like, oh, this was great. Like, just keep doing as many as you can. And then you do like 10 a day. Yeah. And Greg was like, this, this guy's awesome. Right. But now I have to go and tell him that like, he's going to be like our biggest budget if he keeps producing at this level. So he's like, I had to sit Sevy down and basically be like, okay, 
So we want you to keep producing at the same level of content, but we're going to pay you a fraction of what we're paying you now because we can't afford to keep doing this at this level, but we want to bring you on. And he was like, I remember going into that conversation and thinking like, how am I going to convince him to take less money? He always took care of me. I know, but I love that conversation because I'm like, you were outpaced. He was like, everybody else we had was like, they do a video and it would take them like three weeks. And he was like, and Sevi came in with like 50 videos and like, you know, 10 minutes after I told him that he had the opportunity. And I was like, that's a hustler. He's yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, we would go places. And then on the, on the flight home, I would just edit them in the plane. Yeah, it's, it's what you do. I, I wouldn't do that now. I'm, now I'm old. Now you need yeah. a private jet. And- now I'm a pampered weekly. Now I'm a pampered weekly. Okay. So NSCA case never comes out. We never find out. Maybe. I mean, I would like to, I'm trying, I'm trying to get people to leak me shit. If anybody wants to do that, that's great. Right. Um, and, and why, why, why do you think, um, so um, do you think that that's accurate? The affiliates don't want to know just because they don't, they're just too busy doing their day-to-day shit that they can't I, I be bothered. Or, well, I think honestly towards the end there, right. So like the media team gets scrapped in, in 18, right. And then CrossFit health becomes the focus. The Russells are not re- doing stuff on battles. I think there was a like a dearth of information. I don't think that it was communicated to people. Like, I mean, I'm always surprised on the Instagram page how often people are like, wait, what is this about? Like, why was this right. a deal? And I'm like, you guys, right. like literally your livelihood was trying, to, they were trying to take it away from you, right? Right. It wasn't Greg saying soda whores and being flippant. It was like, right. they were coming for you and your yeah. job. Right? To make your shit illegal unless you paid the money. Right. Mob shit. And people are always like, oh, I don't know. Like, why is soda so bad? Or like they had, you know, Panda Express at the first games or whatever. And I'm like, you're missing the whole point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, oh, Greg made and uh, Dave made fun of them, too, by the way. Right. I love that. Yeah. So, you should tell it. I've, I've told it a million times. Babe, 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 Panda Express was a sponsor of the first, uh, first cross, second CrossFit Games in 2008 for sure. And um, he he made fun of him. He called it like, he went up there, he goes, yeah, okay, and the winner gets a $50 gift certificate to some shitty fast food. And, he, and the whole crowd starts laughing. I mean, we treated our sponsor the same way Greg treated uh, Reebok when they first signed on. Uh, those shoes that they sell that uh, they say will strengthen your butt, complete fucking lie. Reebok did not like that. <laughs> Hey, what do you think? What do you think about um, uh, Monster Energy Drink coming in? Oh, I told him that I would text him if I needed a lifeline. Should we see? It? You want me to see if he wants to say hi to you, uh, Greg? Yeah, you have any questions for him? No, I have no questions for him. Okay. Well, no, no, you can give you can give him a. Uh, that would be crazy. Well, I was finish. like, I'll tell him. I'll tell you what the story is. What story should we make him tell? He needs to. He needs to come in. If he is going to come in, I'm going to play a one minute commercial and go pee. Okay. You have to pee. Okay, I'm gonna do. Let me see. Uh, um, can you play the one that's um not the story though? What's a good story for him to tell? Um, about why he wouldn't settle the NSCA. That would be good. That would be fucking awesome. Hey, Caleb, can you not play the level one one? Can you play the one that's just a compilation of just like funny outtakes from this show? No, you don't see it. I don't see it either. What happened to that? Do we have to go to a different um? Oh, look, you changed it. Oh, that was nice. You did it. Compilation, Fifty. you see it? 55 seconds? I see it. I'm going to push it and then run to the bathroom. Is that cool, Caleb? Okay, I'm going to pull Emily off. Will you pull me and Emily off in case I'm not back in time? Okay.
what is with this guy, you know? If Howard Stern and Joe Rogan had a baby, you'd be looking at him. Remember, the people were live, so don't, like, start picking your nose or pull your dick out or anything crazy like that. And this is why this is the greatest show on the internet, because there's a comment here that says a lot of pre-cum, and then right after, there's a comment that says it's so sad. Let's go back to hand jobs. People without their names, and they, uh... <laughs> no one clipped that and played that on the internet. A thumb with a mustache, yes. A thumb... <laughs> Listen, a guy named Johan Lopez called you a thumb with a mustache. Wow. I'm going to shit myself. Man, that Sevon podcast is dull as shit. Okay, you guys have a great day. Okay. You too. Thanks for calling. Mwah. <laughs> no. I was no. feeling familial like it was my mom I was talking to. Oh, I screwed that up. You did that perfect, Caleb. I screwed that up. I'm going to uh, text my wife and get a uh, second cup of uh, coffee. And uh, we shall... We shall uh, move onward. Guys, thank you so much uh, for being patient. Two hours, 19 minutes in, and I feel like we're just cruising along. I'm so stoked for this. Uh fucking work right now oh you're at work uh i love this commercial more than the one commercial okay good all right awesome it would be awesome uh, hey emily i think if greg came on even for like can you hear me yeah i think if greg even came on once i just need to like get him used to coming on yeah and then i could probably get him to come on regularly i want to hear i want to hear like all the th his thoughts i want to hear his thoughts on the chinese balloon i want to hear his thoughts on just like uh, i mean I, you and i get a chance to hear all that stuff from him i think people would love it i mean you could ask him anything you could ask him what makes a good pizza and he's got a great answer i know and he's uh, like i mean he really is like the best storyteller i was saying to him last night i was like you know i think you should go on not me because i'm like the ugly stepsister because cinderella is like busy at the ball like everybody wants to hear from you and he's like i will i just you know i don't know like whatever and i'm like just he needs to do it and like get back in the swing of things i think but i agree with you i think it's important for him to have his voice heard and i Can think we get emily on as a regular no she's offended by your picture of that ass so she refuses um uh it's a good superficial question emily what kind of dog do you got honey is my golden retriever honey come uh wad zombie this is incredible uh philip kelly emily isn't ugly at all Aww. you should see my dog okay um uh NS so nsca case um so you you the the one of the theories could be out there is that it was cheaper to buy crossfit than settle it well, let me just ask you this real quick there's this company called Berkshire, right? Berkshire. And Berkshire. Thank you, Berkshire. And they bought CrossFit. And it's not Warren Buffett. People keep getting confused. It's It actually started as a Warren Buffett-like sort of spinoff, but it has he, Warren Buffett does not have any holdings in Berkshire. Okay. So Berkshire wrote that – they're the ones who wrote the check to Greg. But we, but we are not going to say that Berkshire owns CrossFit because they're a what's called a holding company, and they're basically well, someone. Yeah, I mean this is this is not completely confirmed, so I think you have to be a little careful, right? So Berkshire okay. is a private equity firm, so they you know buy companies and try and grow them, right? And they have funds where they own part of companies, or they may have like, honey, go sit over there. 
we may have, they may have, um, you know, like Harvard probably invests with them. And then some of Harvard's money is put in different funds, right? And do they get to influence, do they get to influence what they buy? Like, will Harvard be like, Hey, we've given you a billion dollars. We want you'd have to have that as like a term in the deal. Right. And it would have to be like, you'd have to be a majority owner or have some stake in it. Right. So, but what can happen, and I think what's particularly interesting about this case is um, it's also a great pass-through organization. So like you and I decide that we're going to buy some company. We don't want anybody to know we're buying it. We go to a private equity fund and we basically say, hey, we've got a billion dollars to invest in this thing. We want it. We don't want to be a part of, you know, public persona around it. Let's create a fund together. You guys will get 10%. We're putting uh... all and then you is the fund it. that bought CrossFit a new fund? I can't, I feel like I can't, I don't want to speak to that quite yet because it's, okay. there's a lot of question marks around what fund it is. Is it part okay. of another fund? Is it? But right? either way, it's not wrong to say that these types of companies like Berkshire could be used to hide blind investors. All the time. Okay. Okay. And so if, if a company like Pep, it's also like diversification, right? Like if I have a billion dollars, I'm not going to put it all in one pot. I'm going to give it to different, you know, outlets that are going to invest it in different things. And that's just smart because basically the way those companies work is they invest in a ton of shit. They wait for one to be like a huge hit. And then what are you doing? Sorry. She's trying to say hi. Dogs Um, are fine. She, and so once one is a big hit, then they dump their lowest. Right. So like you're trying to buy in at a ground level or a lower level, assuming there's massive growth potential. But, you know, there's not likely always growth potential and more likely these you know businesses fail than they succeed. And so you're looking for the big hit. And when you get I mean, what somebody told me is that, like, depending on how CrossFit's doing right now, if potentially and if let's say take all the political conspiracy theory out of the picture, Berkshire gets a massive win with one of their other investments. They dump CrossFit, right? It's This isn't necessarily a long-term, we really love CrossFit. We want to invest in this company forever. I'm sure it was a, look at all the fish oil that they're not making money off of. This is an easy, massive 10X growth opportunity. Um, let's see what we can do, which is the opposite of, obviously, how Greg thought about it. But and- it is. Very typical. That's not like a bad, they're evil or something like that. That's just how that business model works, right? Like you invested a bunch of shit, you wait for something to take off, then you dump the things that are the lowest, just like you would with stocks. They're just doing it with companies. And and so basically, um, there, there was, to kind of paint the picture, there were numbers upwards of $100 million being thrown around to settle the case. And when Greg gave those the middle finger, um, it wouldn't be outrageous then to think, okay, their next play would be just to try to buy the whole company. Okay. And- so the, the conspiracy theory, and like, I want to say that like 10 times, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is, let's call it all opinions. So there's no mm-hmm. case against us. Let's say the NSCA lawyer said to Greg, I think we can make this go away for a hundred million dollars. And Greg told him to go fuck himself. And he said, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And Greg said, go fuck yourself. A year yeah, that would not be something you want to say to Greg, by the way. A year later, Greg's canceled. The company is purchased for 200 Within a year, less than a year, the case is settled. And the, and, and the CEO, now, the PR guy are now gone that they put in power. They're gone. 
this the the other part of this you have to remember is that if let's say the American Beverage Association bought CrossFit, they didn't buy CrossFit for two hundred million. They saved themselves, right? At least a hundred million, maybe more than two hundred million, right? So it's a sunk cost. Them paying, and they shut and they shut down a worldwide cult that was against the consumption of sugar and made its leader disappear into the shadows. Although he's not, he's coming back with a vengeance. But in eighteen months, Greg's uh, com- no compete is gone. Yeah, I think it's about eighteen months. So theoretically, he could start he could start another CrossFit up in eighteen months. Theoretically, sure could. No, so Greg didn't. No, Greg didn't lose. That's the thing. So Greg lost what? The case? No, Greg no. never. Greg won the case. The new owners settled the case, meaning yeah. they got paid out, and no one gets to know what the settlement was. And why do you think that they don't want going back to this question? Why do you think that they don't want to say what the settlement is? Don't you think they'd want to celebrate that with the community? No, 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 no. I'm sure it wasn't. Th- it wasn't CrossFit who said like, "Hey, let's make sure nobody talks about this." The NSCA said, "We're going to give you all this money." Yeah, and you can't ever talk about it. And why would CrossFit agree to that? They wanted the money more than they wanted the the truth. So if this theory is correct, it's basically um, uh, for la- um, beverage company A just paid itself a hundred million dollars and got rid of the problem. Yeah. So basically, they they that's amazing, isn't it? You buy the company and then and then and then settle the two companies that you both own, settle the suit with each other. It's just like moving money around. Shit, they may even made more money. They may have even made more money like with tax write-offs and shit like that. Right. (laughs) This is crazy. Thank you, babe. If if CrossFit, let's say, fails, they get a big win on the books. They get rid of CrossFit. It's a write-off. It's a loss. Yeah. How's that? Are you drinking a Coke right now? And just in... Coke Zero. And, I like. I'm fully addicted to Coke Zero. And in, in, in honor of them, to help them pay their legal bills. Right. Yeah. Yes. Greg was so funny. He was a, when he was in Santa Cruz. He was like, "And the house is stocked with Coke Zero." And I can only imagine this is like you're doing. So thanks a lot. And I was like, "Oh, I love Coke Zero." What's the difference between Coke Zero and Diet Coke? It's so much better. It is. Ugh, yeah, much better. Neither of them are good without booze in them. I like this fine. Hey. Um. Okay, so 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 th- that that'll be interesting if that ever unfolds. And and do, you, and do let me ask you this: Do you think Rosa knows the truth, or do you think he was just a pawn? I actually think he probably was just a pawn. I mean, I don't know. I think he's probably privy to a lot of information, but I don't think he really cares. And I don't think, um, I you know it's interesting when I was doing background on Rosa at the time of the sale, right? So like when we were going through all this stuff, I realized like he was, you know, the New York times wrote about his business successes and all this stuff. And all he wanted to do was talk about CrossFit, which was like kind of cute, right? Like you've got this really successful digital company. And like, all you want to talk about is that you like open a CrossFit box in the basement of the business, right? Like die hard. And he'd worked with Berkshire before. So like, again, if you go to this conspiracy theory level, which is like totally unproven and just for fun, I think like there is something interesting about the fact that like if I'm the ABA, the American Beverage Association, I go to Berkshire and I say, look, we got to we have an opportunity here and we want to take advantage of it. Who can be the spokesperson? Who can be the front man for this? They're like fucking Eric Rosa, dude, this guy like we've invested with him before and all he'll do is talk about CrossFit, right? You tap him, you say, hey, we've got this great opportunity, whatever. And the guy who reached out, what's his name? Woods? Yeah. Reached out to Greg. He'd been reaching out to Greg for like I mean, that's been misreported over and over again. He'd been reaching out to Greg regularly 
for like more than a two years, three years saying like, hey, this guy, Eric Rose is really into CrossFit. He'd love to buy it. So like, that's all true. But my guess is that like in the conspiracy theory realm, they, somebody knew Eric Rosa could be a perfect pawn in all of this. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I think just based on like the stuff that happened with him towards the end, I think he was, he really thought it was going to be like an easy business to run. Right. Didn't spend any time studying it. Had no sense of like the, the community really. Right. Like, um, Greg always talks about how, like at some point he said he made some joke with him about something about like opening the box in the morning or whatever. And he's like, he's never opened his box. Right. No. Well, you know, you know, the thing was, is one time he left, one time he left the box and he was told to lock it up. And he told all the executives who were there when he was right when he bought HQ and he was, he had told us all that he owned a box, but it wasn't his box. It was his ex-wife's box and her boyfriend's box. And really, and, uh, and when he left, he was bragging that he didn't know how to open or lock the door because he had never done it. When basically, how many times did Greg invoke that moment yeah. that a box owner unlocks the door and gets there at 4.30 or 5 in the morning? That was like one of Greg's favorite things to invoke because he shared that with all of the fucking affiliate owners. And this guy, on the other hand, is bragging that he doesn't know how. It's, 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 I mean, it's telling. Yeah. It's telling. Please bring Emily back. She hasn't, she hasn't gone anywhere yet. Just to be super clear, you have to know that I, I'm not not going to uh, – before anyone says anything stupid, and I have to hear it a bunch more times. I am not not going to Broken Science because um, there won't be a private jet. I would drive there. <laughs> I, would, I would run there. There are, other, there, there are other reasons why I'm not going. And, and I still may go. I still may go. I hope you do. Otherwise, I might have yeah. to like, take advantage of your wife. Yeah, listen, I, um, I I canceled my trip to Tahoe uh, this year, and uh, three days later, uh, Greg's wife called me and said, hey, you want to come to Tahoe with us? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, the universe. And I had, I know I hadn't even told my, broken it to my kids yet that I was having to cancel my trip. And I was like, this is crazy. We went to Tahoe. So that was, that was pretty crazy. So I, so I suspect I'm going. What is the, I suspect I'm going. I suspect I'm going. I'm going to drive my minivan there with my kids in it. Do it. Yeah, I suspect it's going to be great. I mean, I think, you know, Seafried's speaking, right? Briggs is speaking. So we're going to have like Malcolm Kendrick is coming. We had a hard time figuring out his situation. Is, is everyone invited? How do people go? Can anyone go? If you go on the website um, and broken science, yeah, brokenscience.org on the events page, you can also view all of the past events that were private where there's lectures. Greg's giving great talks, um, but you click on there and there's a register button. And we're charging a hundred bucks, but it's only if you don't show, because basically we had to come up with like, there's going to be a, open so you, so you get your money back if you show up. That's right. It's a free event. I just needed to have, Dude, a that's camp. brilliant. That's some fucking Greg Glassman shit right there. Actually it was an Emily Kaplan thing, but thank really you. that's yeah. such, wow. That's brilliant. It's a hundred dollars, but if you show up, you get your money back. God, you that's know, good. If we just said we were having a public event, we'd have a million people say they're coming, but they're not right. going to buy plane tickets. They're not going to actually right. show up. And so like we're doing a reception that's going to be like great food and booze. Like how we have to pay per person before we have anybody show up. So if you tell me it's a thousand people, I'm not going to, we're not going to pay for that and then have a hundred show up. Right. So I needed something and it was hard, but Mia who does all of my back end like website development, you met Mia, right? She's amazing. Um, she came up with this way of doing it. Credit card companies do not love putting a hold on your credit card for that long, but they did. 
Uh, well, yeah. Emily is paid by him to write a book. It, um, that's not nope. true, is it? Nope, not true. He is not paying me to write the book, nor is he asked to ever see anything or have any expectation of any edits of anything. And he's, I mean, honestly, like the other thing that's interesting about Greg in terms of this, he's very uncomfortable with the book to to be honest, not in the sense that he's uncomfortable with what's going to be in it. He's uncomfortable with the attention. He told me that he, anytime I ask him about the book, he's like, dude, talk, ask Emily. I don't ask her any fucking questions. I give her access to everything. Like he's not, he's not comfortable with the, with the attention. I think he'd probably prefer it came out like, like after he was dead. I think it's also, he's like that in general. I mean, I think people don't realize this about him because he comes across or like people have this false impression of him in some other way, but like even through the crisis, right? Like managing all of that, he gave me access to everything. I had to talk to everybody. I had to ask him everybody he'd ever hooked up with, right? Like, I mean, there were like intensely personal situations that I went through with a number of different people. He never asked me once like, hey, what did Sevi say? Or, hey, what did so-and-so say? Or who's mad at me? Or who's going to be on my side? He let me manage all of that completely privately, which I can tell you probably isn't easy. And I have other clients who are not like that at all, right? Like they want to see notes. They want to see all this stuff. But I can't do my job effectively, both writing the book and also in, you know, sort of managing that situation. If I don't have other people feeling like they can tell me truthfully, like, did something fucked up happen or not? Like, I need to know in order to know what we're dealing with. And right. in his case, he was like, I have nothing to hide. So like you talk to everybody and you don't have to tell me shit. And that was pretty mind blowing. I mean, even like you remember this, maybe Sebi, like through that whole thing, I wouldn't sign any paperwork. So the lawyers were freaking out because I was privy to like everything that's ever happened. I do CrossFit. remember now it's clicking. Yes. You mean you're talking about and when I the deal was going, the, the lawyers for uh, the new owners of CrossFit wanted you right. to sign. Yes. Well, Ann Marshall was like, Greg, this is fucking nuts. Like she has access to everything. How She's weird is shit for Marshall? Or like a non-compete or like, a, you know, any kind of like, she won't tell the story. And Greg was like, I want Emily to sign a disclosure document. And everybody was like, what is that? And he's like, that she will disclose all of this information. Not that we're going to muzzle her to not disclose this information. I mean, that takes a lot of balls, right? You don't know what I'm finding out. And you're telling everybody that you're not going to, you know, muzzle me in some way like yeah that speaks volumes right so how weird how weird is shit for marshall it must be weird working there i don't you know i mean i don't know i don't know like i I, that's a marshall question i feel like i can't answer that i think anybody who's still there it's you know it's a big transition it's a different kind of thing and i think it's got to be rough for everybody right i think everybody's whole i think you know there's an undertone of optimism that's important that I think when you're on it, I had a conversation with somebody who's still there and is on the seminar staff. And they said to me, like, I actually, there's a lot I don't like about the way things are being run or the way things are talked about. But I know my job is to like go out into the community and keep spreading the methodology. And like, I actually am more committed to that than ever because I'm so worried about what's going on over here. And I like fully respect that. Right. That it's like people, some people are like, I'm fucking out and, or I'm, you know, I can't stand this and there's shit talking. Or there's other people who are like, I'm doubling down because like, I'm worried this magical, wonderful thing that we created is in jeopardy. And I don't, I have a role in spreading that word. And so I'm not going to, you know, worry too much about what's happening over here. It's sort of like what Greg said, like during Rosa stuff, when we were going on our tour that never really (laughs) materialized into anything, where he was saying, like, to the affiliates, like, what you do 
is what is like, you know, sort of where all of the action is, right? Like being in the affiliate and changing lives is, is what you're all about. And it doesn't really matter what the name is on the door. So like, don't worry too much about this. And I, I mean, I was like proud of him. Like I couldn't kind of believe it. Right. Because there's a lot of anger and upset about things, but there also is this thing where he really wants CrossFit affiliates still to be successful. Right. And still to be spreading the methodology, not because it's his, but because it works. And it might be the only sort of signal of hope moving forward. And that still means a lot, right? And I mean, you know that better than me. I'm preaching. Tra- Travis Bajant told me the other day, the bar is set so low for humanity that if you want your kid to be successful, you only have to do two things. Um, uh, don't give them a cell phone until they're over 15 and sign them up for CrossFit Kids. Love that. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, 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 it's pretty good. Have you met Don? I have. We had and, dinner and- with him. Before he was CEO. Oh, did you, what, did you know he was going to be CEO when you had dinner with him? Not, no, no. And did you get a chance to interact with him much or were you like, who's the stream? Yeah. What? You sat, sat next him. to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, very small group. Um, Dave put it together, I think through Ross and um, he, I liked him. I mean, I like he and I mostly talked about his time at Facebook where he was like the guy censoring. I mean, he was sort of like in charge of all the censoring and how that had changed so much after the government really that's what he was in charge of over there oh i love don don't tell me that you're breaking my fucking no, no, heart he was, before it got bad like he was basically <laughs> oh. like the toughest part of his job was that they had sort of like a no policy like they weren't going to censor anything and then it became and to just shut people, everyone up people would come to them with like you know horrible stories about some child or something or whatever and they would be like sorry like we just we can't we're not going to get in the business of of touching that even though it's like obviously awful and so I was like, when did that pendulum swing? Because obviously I was helping all these people who had been kicked off of social media. And um, and I think, you know, he had some interest. I, I should probably be like more guarded about sharing that conversation. But I don't, I'm sure he would tell you if he talked. I mean, like, I think he's wonderful. What, I think he's you, cool. I like you do think he's wonderful. You like Don. Yeah, a lot. I think he's very smart. I think he's sort of like the perfect mix in a way of like the military background, right? You think he's too polished? I mean, that's a weird, that's a weird criticism, but it's the only criticism I've ever heard of him. I, I, I loved him, but, but he is really polished. If you let him go, if you let him give him too much rope, he'll, he, he, he will go into like, I don't know, um, just polish talk. Well, you know, I mean, I think he's like towing the line, being safe. He's very safe. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Cause he's like, he's got the, the sort of academic business school pedigree. Right. Yeah. He's got. Oh, he's great. Yeah. The formality, but he also is like. I mean, and he's tough guy. And he's tough guy. He's no pussy. Yeah, and he also he seems like a listener to me, like in a genuine way, right? Like, um, yes, I think he cares about CrossFit. He seems like a a decent person. He's not. I mean, like, he doesn't smart, decent, good pedigree. Not an egomaniac, right? Like, not like I think he's. Um, I think he's great. I don't have. I honestly don't have anything bad to say about him, other than he's like. I know it's a weird thing to say. His shirt's too clean. His shirt was too wet. I know, but it's all I got. It's the only well, negative you know, thing I can say about it. This is partly like the Hell's Angels thing, though, right? right like there was right. a grit to things before, and so right. having somebody who's polished or well spoken or like you know really well prepared or whatever comes across as a difference. Right. But no one's going to be the same, right? So like people right. have to surrender that. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. So what differences really matter? And like, if he cares a lot about his job and what he says and how he's coming across, because he's kind of entering a hostile environment, right? 
Like, fuck, that's good. That means you care, right? Okay, let me ask you this other crazy question then. I think for that place to be successful, uh, he has to um, – I, I don't even know what this means. What does that mean, professional, meaning you're willing to – don't talk like that about Don. Don won't suck dick for money. That, that Please don't talk to about Don like that. Uh, uh, I think that Don either has to fire all the woke people or fire all the old staff. That, that you can't have both. What do you think about that uh, absolute uh, statement? I, well, I would think that's like a typical management thing right out the gate, right? You'd fire everybody, you'd bring in your own people. And I think Rosa fucked up by not doing that. I think yeah. he, right? Because then you sort of, now you're creating this thing where like N- Nicole's back, right? right. Like Kate's right. gone. Like, what are right. you doing, right? It right. doesn't matter right. about the legacy right. or the history and the old person. You have to either get rid of the mentally ill people. I want to change that. You either have to get rid of the mentally ill people or fire all the old staff. I think what he's up against is really like he's got old staff and then he's got rows of people. I don't know that he's really brought in anybody on his own. That should be the next iteration. He well, I think he's been financially way more responsible than Rosa. Uh, Tommy Rodriguez, uh, Don is great. Any ideas or comments on what happened to Eric? Yeah, he started a band. Um, I saw him in a hotel bar, literally playing, right? And yeah. that was amazing. That You were there. Yeah. Who were you? Why did everybody left? Dave had left like five minutes earlier, which would have been spectacular to see that interaction. And Greg had left like 10 minutes earlier. God, what did I hear the other day? Do you know about some of the lawsuits that they have going on internally, by the way? We should talk about that. I don't know if I'm about what, but they, some of the woke people who they hired are now, fi- are now, fi- are now suing them because, because they're woke. I mean, because. What is the premise of the lawsuit? I can't. It's it's on the irony is unfucking believable. Imagine being hired because you were black and then being upset that they and then suing the company because they put you in charge of the basketball team at CrossFit and you said, "Hey, they just put me in charge of the basketball team because I was black." It's something like that. Even though you were you were just openly hired just because you were black. This is this is a metaphor. This isn't true. But uh, do do you know that story? I know a little bit, but I'm not sure we're talking about the same thing. So. Okay, it's fucking it's insane. That's the thing. You can't hire woke people. You have to know that. You can't hire they they'll eat each other. It always ends the same way with woke people. You you, you see, were jeopardy. Like that, because I feel like that's just you're doing it's true. shit that they're doing. Like which, I which, I mean, which is I what you think I'm just being ambiguous? No, well, a little. Like I Well, here's the thing. I haven't named anyone though. Like there's someone in the comments disparaging Greg right now, but they won't say what that what it is. I'm not suggest no, if no, I were gonna say let's see. If if I was going to say no, because they're not saying anything specific. If it was someone specific I was talking about, I would say, like I told you, like I don't like the, the the only thing I don't like about Don is his shirts are too clean and they look pressed. Yeah. There okay. you go. I mean, and I'll also admit that that's a stupid reason to fucking judge oh, yeah, someone, but that's like, the only fucking bad thing about the guy. I'm just saying. What, what? what do you mean when you say like we, we should, no one should hire woke people? Like what uh, people it? who are people who are mentally ill to the point where they can't think clearly and they and they um and they play the victim role as their core uh, uh lifestyle value. And you're going to assess that up on a job interview? Like, how are you? What is this determination being based? Like, I mean, I, like, that's just hard. I feel like at some point in your life, you probably felt like you were a victim and it, it probably bothered you. Right. And. Let me give you an example. Uh, CrossFit Inc. is uh, um, uh, overtly, explicitly uh, inclusive. Everyone is fucking welcome from a fucking midget to a fucking transgender Taliban pygmy goat. And to then hire someone who wants to make it more inclusive for 
uh, black people is woke because you know right away, oh shit, that's going to be some divisive shit. Okay, but I would call or, it discrimination. I would say you're discriminating against people by labeling. Well, that's one of the core tenets of being woke is you have to be discriminatory. Well, so that's what I'm asking you to define. Oh, sorry. Okay, by right. woke. Okay, sorry. You're right. That's fair. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't want people who discriminate. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 spe- I, I, I don't want people who are racist, especially those ones parading like that they're not racist. I don't want ones claiming the um, uh, uh, women's independence and, and believing in how strong women are, and then they suck dick to climb their ladder up the uh, food corporate food chain, but 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 then make videos on how it's because women are so strong and great in the workplace. Like I I, I just I, I can't have that inconsistency. It could be both, you know, or it could be transparent. Like, hey, I I use my magic about? pussy to climb the chain. I mean that I would be totally fine with that. I'm not closed minded. It's the line that I don't like. <laughs> that's good okay thank you i like that i know exactly who you're talking about with those yes <laughs> there's a handful of people who fall into that category that's good um i'm not falling into that trap though so yeah i'm not gonna uh so 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 um so i i think um Oh, okay. I'll give you an example, another example of what, cause I want to, I want to ask you that question one more time about, about what, what do you think Don should do? Um, those people who turned on Greg, right. Um, do you think that that sort of reveals their character? Like if I was, um, yes, it's all about them. It was all about them. It was nothing about Greg. It was all about them from the get go wanting attention, right. Wanting a following, wanting to like worried about not doing the right popular thing. Right. It's a, it has nothing to do with Greg. Right. They, they, they're going to fly with the wind right now that Greg's coming back and being popular again. We already see these people talking about how great Greg was, the founder of the company and all this stuff. Wait, what? Right, right. Oh, it's just whatever the, the they're bandwagon jumpers, right? So, so do you think, do you think, do you agree that Rosa has to do, or that Don should do one or the other, get rid of the, um, uh, both get rid of all the, the, the people that were the new hires that I was calling woke, the ones that are parading around as something that they're not the ones who are, I don't um, I, I think- the ones who aren't putting the methodology first. I'll say that the ones who are putting like people's gender or sex or color, they're, they're doing all the stuff to detract from the fact. I mean, do you, I'll tell you the example here. Here's an example. Greg got really upset one time about a gun post that Dave made and he was, and I'm, and maybe I'm I, the spirit of what I'm saying is right. And the fact wasn't that he was upset because it was a gun post. Greg loves guns. It was the fact that it detracted from our thing that um, uh, it took some attention away from uh, Coca-Cola should not be meddling in the sciences and the, and the right. And so um, there's people who, who work there who are detracting from what CrossFit's really about. They're, they, they're, they brought their own agenda there instead of a cure to the world's most vexing problem. I think Don knows, actually. I think Rosa thought it was a sport. I think Don knows it's a cure for the world's most vexing problem. Uh, Susa just went to that affiliate gathering. He's like, holy shit, it's the first time in two and a half years I've heard someone say that we have the cure for COVID. I'm paraphrasing. But Don basically opened with something like that. Okay. And I think that I personally think that Don either has to get rid of those people who aren't pushing the, the core tenant of CrossFit forward or get rid of those people who are and let it just become a giant social justice warriors. So I like that delineation better where it's okay. not, you're not saying like the old versus the new versus the whatever. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gary Gaines could have stayed. Gary Gaines was a Kool-Aid drinker. Gary Gaines is a new guy. He could have stayed. I mean, they fi- ironically they fired him, but he could have stayed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he had the mission. He had the right mission going. It's the same as like, I feel like there was something where like, 
I think it was Dave again, like got in trouble for posting something. And then Weinstein was posting stuff that was like, it was like political or something. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Weinstein was, uh, hated, hated fucking Trump with a passion and he posted about it. Yeah. So I think it's like, if you're going to tell employees, you guys can't post anything on politics. No, I don't care. Left, right, center, blah. It's not, this isn't what we do here. And if you're a public facing employee, then you can't do that. Right. And it's not about the content. It's about the thing that you're engaging in. Right. Right. That's fair. I think that's fine, but you can't have it one way and not the other. In the same way, I wouldn't try to delineate employees based on like where they fall on the political spectrum or whatever. I would base it on like, what is your output? How are you contributing to the mission of spreading CrossFit to more people? Right. How is your skill set matched with what we need to, in order to accomplish those goals? And if you can do those things, then I don't fucking care what you think. I mean, I'm a big believer in individual rights, right? It's sort of like how we started this conversation. So like, if you believe something different than me, that's awesome. And I'm glad that we can be friends and talk about it. I don't want to get rid of everybody in my life who doesn't agree with my political opinions. That's not informative to me, right? It's not even interesting. I like arguing, right? So like that, that's not the name of the game. Like I think diversity is really important in the sense of diversity of ideas, because this is how we all grow and we challenge ourselves. This idea of diversity and like, you have to have this many number of people that look like this. And that's not diversity. And actually what you're doing is the opposite. You're clamping down on the spread of ideas by making people feel scared, right? They don't fit into a certain box or they don't have enough of a certain box. I don't give a shit about that. I want to know what you think, right? And so I think if I were advising Don, I would say to him like very clearly, like you got to figure out who's on this for the mission of spreading the methodology because the methodology changes everybody. I don't care what you look like, right? I don't care what your politics are. I don't care. Yes. No, no, that's not, it's irrelevant. And if you're hell bent on CrossFit, then it'll bridge the gap between these other divides that you're talking about. I don't want to exacerbate them by saying like, oh, you can't, you, you're too woke. You can't work here. Great. You're woke and you believe in CrossFit. Awesome. Let's do this together. Do you think that um, it's a misnomer to say that Greg was canceled? And that I mean, well, here, let me, let me, let me put it this way. Um, my hair is driving me crazy. What's going on? Uh, me and me and Kathy and uh, me and Kathy and uh, Thomas Krubaugh and Brian Mulvaney and Haley Parlin, Haley Matosian, we were canceled. Meaning we didn't have control over our destiny. We were fired because we were part of the toxic culture. Whereas Greg, Greg was in control of his destiny. He owned the company, and so he sold the company. Mm-hmm. Whereas canceled might mean more like. Um, you you didn't you 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 didn't you didn't have control like you were you were just fucking whacked for for, well, for stuff that's just that. for stuff that's not true like like my kids are canceled from school because they won't take the vaccine so they're canceled they don't have control over it they don't own the school Whereas how he, is this he, you heard, yeah so you're I'm just thinking of just I'm just trying to find the word canceled like yeah, sometimes so it bugs that, me it bugs me that people say he was he was forced out and I'll be like he wasn't fucking forced out he fucking sold. And rode off mm-hmm. into the sunset on a big fucking horse with a lot of guns in his bag. So I, I just, I just, I trip on Sometimes like, I get. I think what you're saying though is like a is a victim definition, right? You're saying like you were victimized because you didn't have any control in the situation and you were collateral damage essentially, right? Well, I had control in the sense that I chose to work there, and when you choose to work there, then you're setting yourself up to, to, at some point, be well, no, fired. You didn't to know work there. Work that you were going to be like mentioned in the New York Times, right? Like that wasn't part of your job no, description. That wasn't no, your expectation no. for doing your job. So right. in that case, you are a victim. You're I just hate the word victim. Can you choose a different word? Know. I don't want to be. 
trying, that's exactly why I used it. Oh, thank you. This is my show and you're offending me. I'm just trying to make the point of like, what is canceled? I think canceled is like when something, when there's a public backlash against you that directly impacts your livelihood, your ability to do your job, your ability to be the person you were before you were canceled, right? And so in that regard, I would say he was canceled. I'm not sure if you oh, get paid okay. if you're less. It's like, let's take another scenario. Let's do like a victim thing, right? Like you're- Was Donald Trump canceled? No, because he's still out there. And I think being like right. being that, that persona is part of what made him who he is rather than- I think if- I think if canceled though is is like no good people are can no bad no good no bad people are canceled like I don't think of uh, 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 Weinstein as being canceled like he was well, he was fucking raping women right well but that goes to the heart of this notion of like um, injustice there's some right. injustice associated right. which is also like being a victim a real victim right not like a social victim like a victim of a crime right like they they're innocent of any wrongdoing and they're harmed in a way that makes them a victim. I think we've appropriated that word and used it in lots of ways that it's way overused now, but like, yeah, I, I would it. say the difference is the paycheck, right? So what if you're a victim of a crime and you, and you go to court and the jury awards you a big settlement? Are you no longer a victim because it's been remedied? Yeah, that's a I good question. That's a good question. Uh, this uh, Jesse Smollett, what's Jesse uh, Juicy Smollett? Was he canceled? I don't know. He should be canceled, though. Yeah, and again, like that's somebody who did something wrong, right? Right, right. So, like, there has to be like a presumed innocence. I feel like to being canceled in a way. Right. But okay. Good. Okay. And that's what I mean. So, yeah. Okay. So you. So you. Okay. I just. I don't know why sometimes it. Um, I like the fact that Greg kept control of his own destiny. I just, well, and also, yeah, right. The whole time. I mean, like, like he, he shot his die. way out of the, he didn't die in the, um, in the Alamo. He shot his way out. His, his way out. He didn't, he, he like. Yeah. And I mean, I think that like being heartbroken, part of it is the consequence that you're ignoring for that. Right. Like, say, yeah, say I that mean, again, the what, say that again. Sorry. The heartfelt. The heartfelt consequences. Yes. Okay. I'm being really heartbroken about, I mean, and he would say like, I'm that's fine. A great, but that's a great point. I'm being really superficial about it. I'm just talking about like the piece of paper that says he's the owner of CrossFit Inc. You're right. Well, I think I mean, being somewhere where the mob turned on him. Right. Well, you like, I mean, you had to leave a job that you loved, that you were good at, that you'd done for a long time and you right. didn't get a big paycheck. Right. Right. That's I did when I was there. When I was there, I got a huge paycheck. But I'm saying like you didn't leave with a settlement. No, right? it's fucking sucked. Yeah. Like a regular person now. So that's different. You're never yeah. a regular person. So. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, do you have your socks on? I do, uh, no, I don't. I don't. I, I wore them yesterday. I wore them yesterday, though. I wore them yesterday. And my hat. My hat's amazing, too. That's Thank from you. You're welcome. That's, that's from where? The dick socks are not, but the hat is from Jesse's store. Who's Jesse? My friend who I brought last time. Oh, she has a store like that? Oh, that's cool. Why doesn't she sell the dick socks? Would those be inappropriate? I, should, I don't think that's her really on brand for her. 
<laughs> hey, I'm going to, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to, uh, I will wear the dick socks and show you guys them. I'm not going to describe them here, but I will show you them. And they are there. When I first got them, I was like, what is this? This isn't me. And then I put them on. I'm like, this is hilarious. Cause I, I was wearing long johns and I could pull up my long johns. Uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty braggadocio. Susa, a pair too. I'm sorry. I sent Sousa a pair too. So you guys can oh. wear them too. My wife, my wife kept wanting me that your, the, the pre Christmas present you sent me sat on the kitchen table until yesterday. And my wife's like, why won't you open this? I'm like, cause if I open it, I'll have to write a thank you note. And I don't want to no. stop and write a thank you note. It's just, it, I just see presents and I, that's what kind of scumbag I am. I just see work and she's oh. like, open it and tell her, thank you. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> that's funny. No, you just like the picture you sent me was your thank you note. We're done. Okay, good. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I meant by thank you. Know. I use the term uh, loosely. Um, when, when, how close are you to um, curriculum? How close are you to something, uh, whether it be a written or a ten-part video series? Um, like, there's things that you talked about, like the the uh, Daubert case. You know, the Supreme Court case where they figured out what makes someone a um, uh, a professional witness what's it called an expert, expert witness. Yep. like like that type of stuff is so fascinating and it could be in that curriculum right showing you like the timeline of how this disaster kind of unfolded where idiots got it the mic what when will when can i be like okay uh, my son's eight now my oldest son when he's 12 will there be a yes a video and what will it look like will it be For 20 video. 30 20 30 minute videos or will it be a book or yeah, I think it'll be a book. I mean, I think Greg feels strongly it needs to be a book that's sort of like the Bible, right? And then if you take the CrossFit example, it's going to be similar to that, I think. It's like he's like the L1, the L1 course, the L1. Okay. What a lot, like one of my big goals for him was to get him writing again, and he is, and it's fucking brilliant. It's like he really stuff, is writing again. Yeah, he is. And it's, it, I think it's the best stuff he's ever written. Okay. Um, and, and then I think, you know, these lectures that they're giving at, at events, right? Those can all be repurposed. We're doing a series of interviews where we're going to, I'm going to interview the speakers and Nate, who's Adam Carolla's like production guy is going to help with that. He has a team of animators in Spain that I'm hoping are going to, we have Briggs doing a podcast for us. And hopefully that the animation team is going to animate those. Those will all be, I mean, I think Greg and I both want this stuff to like, again, it's like, we both want the, we want to help the world anyone, not everyone, right? Same thing. Latch on to this and be able to use these tools. I mean, I joke, it's like a decoder ring, right? Like as a kid, you get out of the cereal box and all of a sudden you see the world differently. Like I had an epiphany probably a year ago where I was like, holy fuck. Like I see everything differently now. I had to read like David Stove's book three times before it, like some of that stuff really clicked for me. And to Greg's credit, he knows one time I dropped my kids off at school in the morning and he'd call me like the minute later and he'd just read to me and he'd ask me what I didn't understand. And we'd go back and forth and I'd be like, I don't think that's really right. And like, I don't see it like that. And we'd argue a lot about different ideas. And then we, I got to this point where I was just like, fuck. And every now and then he calls me and he's like, holy shit. Right. And it's like, there are all these moments. And I think we have been in the process of trying to figure out how we're seeing this stuff and other people haven't. And so we keep being like, what are we missing? Like, yeah, don't go too far down the rabbit hole of abstraction or else you won't be able to come back and tell the rest of us. You know well, that, right? I do. But I also think it's now we're at a point where we're like, okay, like we've talked to these leaders in the field who 
after we explained the ideas, we're like, shit, that's right. Enough that we're validated to move forward with the project. Like, I can't even tell you for how long I'd be like, can I write this up? Can we do something with it? Can I post about it? Can we make a movie? Can we whatever? And he'd be like, no, no, no. And he kept being like, um, nothing good happens fast. Nothing good happens fast. And I'd be like, for fuck's sake, like, I want to share this. And he finally is at a place where he's like, let's share it. And that's massive, right? Because I think we're both confident enough in the ideas and the basic thesis of what we want to put forward. And it's a matter of, I mean, like right now, it's just me and him, right? So like we have a team of people who are helping us, but they all have other jobs. And so it's like pretty scrappy in terms of getting this stuff out. And I think with the columns coming out, we have these three columns being written. We have the podcast, and then we're going to have these events. And I think we're going to do one big public event a year, which is the one we're doing now. And then we'll do another one later. And then we're going to do much smaller parties that are sort of more like thought leaders, people who are in the you know homeschooling world, the charter school world, all those people who we're building a great network with already. Um and then, you know, this idea for like a docu-series that would probably be free. I mean, like, again, like people are like, how are you going to make money off of it? And I think he and I are both like, it, the money will come, right? Like the school curriculum could be huge money if it's adopted by big chains of schools. But right now, like the world is in a fucking crisis and people need to have this information. And that's sort of more important. And I think he and I are both have both come to this awareness of like, there's a couple of really great examples of books that started as like novellas, right, in newspapers or something. So it would be like a series of stories that you'd read every Monday. And then they're turned into a book and everybody buys the book, right? So I don't think that like if we offer all this stuff for free, it won't also be useful to have in a teaching format. And so Dude. I think, right? I'm can, can I just tell you how I see it? I'm going to tell you anyway. I see it as a timeline, And whiteboard back there, that's a big timeline. I see it as a timeline and you start in um, I, I don't, 1322. I don't care when you start and you come to the present and it's um, uh, 50 to uh, 20 minute videos that I show my kids um, every three days and um, as part of their, their curriculum. And maybe it comes with like something where they answer and, 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 and then by the time the kid gets and you show that to your kids three years in a row, right? You show it to them in the third grade, fifth grade and seventh grade, the same videos you skip a year and they see these 52, 20 minute videos and they take tests on it each test, you know, or like the, some at, at the end of every week. And then every time they see those same video by the seventh grade, the test is getting harder. Right. And then by then they're inoculated from stupidity. Mm hmm. Right. They're no longer like, OK, I'm not going to accept that. Like you didn't accept the word woke. OK, I'm not going to accept him saying the word woke. What does he mean by that? I'm not going to accept the word uh, Greg was racist. W what did he do? Right. You know what I mean? I'm not going to like and um, God, I'm so hungry for that for my kids, for my own yeah, selfish reasons. Like I'm so afraid they could be anyone could be put to sleep. You know that, right? People go to Stanford and they get lulled to sleep by the tens of thousands. They get turned into zombies. Well, you know, I like I may have told you this story before, but like when I was in college, I was a history major and then I studied psychology as a minor. And really in history, I studied ancient history and then I focused on revolutions. And there is something really interesting that happens with revolutions where like you basically you don't see people fight at their worst. You see it when it starts to get a little bit better. And you can see this in psychology, too. Right. Like a woman's in an abusive relationship. She doesn't leave when she's getting the shit kicked out of her. She leaves when she finds a new boyfriend. She leaves when she finds gets a job, right? Mm -hmm. Something happens in her life that allows her to be like, fuck, I don't have to do this anymore, right? And I think we're kind of at that turning point 
But yeah. even like to your point, like I had a, we did a psych study that was like, I don't know, like, you know, something with rats. And like my study came out that it, there was nothing statistically significant. So I wrote it up and the professor was like, Emily, like you're a great student, but I'm going to have to give you like a C or something on this because you didn't find anything significant. And I was like, but what, why? Like that's still significant. It's still interesting, right? That I did this and nothing came of it. And she basically like tried to break me down in this way where she was like, I think you're going to be great. And I want to train you to be great. And part of that is you really, people only care about what's significant. So you're like, no one would ever publish what you found. And I was like, why? That's what happened with the NSCA case. Holy shit. It's just as important to know what isn't significant yes. as it is to know what is. And yes. she was literally trying, I mean, to give her credit, she was trying to help me, but she was teaching me the way this is done. And it's like, well, that that's not the right way. Right. Like there's a, yeah, she wanted you to, she wanted you even to lie or fabricate something. Right. Three of the rats were injured. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. my goodness. And it is, it's wildly ingrained, right? P values are like, they're not testing anything that tells you anything that's about whether this can replicate. And yet you cannot get published if you don't have that. And like, this isn't just in medicine. Like we found it now it's in happening in physics which we thought was like, oh, we want to create a curriculum that like the physics department would adopt. Well, physics is in like a mental crisis about what science is and what it's not too, because there's all these beautiful theories. String theory is a great example, right? We're like, well, you've come up with this theory, but you can't prove anything. It's all ideas. And that's great, but that's like more philosophy than it is science. And there's, I mean, it's the same with public health, right? So like we had this whole thing with COVID where public health was telling us, we see this really clearly with statins, right? Everybody needs to take this thing. Well, no, that's not everything, everybody. And it's not really like your doctor is charged with treating you, the patient in front of them, not the population. Right. So when they tell my daughter that she needs to have a vaccine that she's not at risk for the disease of because it's going to benefit my dad, that's public health, not medicine. We've confused them, right? Right, right, right. Wow, wow that's a great that's, distinction. That's hugely there was a dangerous. There was a book I was just looking for it that um, Greg uh, suggested to me. I can't. It's written by a, a female physicist, and it's about the particle colliders. You know what book I'm talking about? I thought it was called Lost like Follow the. What's it called? Lost in Math. Yes, Lost in Math. Holy That's cow! Weird. Yep. Holy cow! The other one that I like to recommend to people if they're interested in the broken science stuff is the theory that wouldn't die which traces like Bayes theorem through history and shows how much is that, is that, is that the theory that wouldn't die? Yeah. Is that, is that palatable though? Is that, is that like the book I'm talking about? Any idiot could read some of you, the books you and Greg read. It's not like that. Yeah. The theory that wouldn't die is like a history book. It's going through history and looking at like sort of how Bayes was adopted and used when the shit hit the fan. And even when people don't want to acknowledge that that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing. So that's a, very good recommendation. I love that one. Yeah, this is a crazy book. This is a, I, I'm listening. I, I almost completely listened to this book. It, this is a crazy book. This is sort of sad. What a waste of money the particle collider is. Like everything having to be like beautifully symmetrical and like how all these standards that are like that are not scientific standards. Do you remember the, in the Malcolm? Do you remember in one of those Malcolm Gladwell books? There was a um. There was a plane flying over New York and it was like, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm going to get the wrong ethnicity in here, but it was like two Thai pilots 
And one of the Thai pilot in their culture, you're not allowed to tell to speak to the captain unless he speaks to you first. And the mm-hmm. uh, assistant captain knew that the plane was running out of gas, but he didn't want to say anything because it'd be inappropriate. And the plane went down, and they all fucking died. Like that's basically the bullying shit that's going on in science. Like no one's like, oh, over here, uh, we're just throwing money away. Yep. It well, was- and that's the whole Begley Ellis thing that you've probably heard Greg talk about before, right? Where they were looking right. at. Um, he came to CrossFit and, t- and gave us the lecture. Remember that? It was bad. Yeah, I wasn't came. there for that. I wish I was oh, there. That would have oh, been okay. amazing. But it was like, you know, the thing that. Oh, so where were you, me- Emily? Where were you? I can't. I'm going to miss February 17th, but you weren't at Begley. Uh-huh. I was. I wasn't invited. I think that was before. Oh, you I- were invited. You were out at your kid's birthday party. <laughs> but like that, you know, what's crazy about that is that they promised all the scientists that they would keep them anonymous in terms of trying to replicate their studies. And so the studies that, that they proved could not be replicated are still out there. And none right. of those scientists have voluntarily said like our work is garbage. Let's take it down. Right? Like this cannot be a foundational study for cancer research anymore. It's still out there. Right. And we saw this last summer. I didn't even know that until you said that just so people would know what she's talking about. There were like these 58 seminal studies on cancer that were the foundation of cancer. A guy named Be- two guys, Begley and Ellis, tried to replicate those 58. And like of the 58, 46 were unreplicatable. And not only did Begley Ellis do it, but I think Bayer did it. I think another it company Amgen. did it. it was Say it again. It was Amgen. Yeah. Amgen. OK. And, and they had basically the same results. Oh, shit. And now what Emily's telling me, and I didn't know this, is they never went back and went, were like, hey, these studies are bullshit. They they promised to do it anonymously so no one still knows which papers were the ones that were bullshit, and it's the foundation of cancer research today. Fucking insane, dude. You know, the other thing that people, if they're interested in this, we have it on our site, but it's like fucking mind-blowing, was Science Magazine last summer in August, I think, did this big expose on Alzheimer's research. Uh-huh. And the foundational studies for Alzheimer's are brain imaging, right? And you can see the plaque developing, right? And that's like what all cancer drugs and everything has been based on since. I think that was in the 70s. Last summer, this huge expose comes out and shows that these like basically like internet geeks who are image experts were like, these studies have been Photoshopped or these images have been Photoshopped. This is not a brain scan. This is somebody went in and like clumsy, redid the image to make it look like there were these buildups of plaque. The whole fucking thing is fraud. All of it. And so all of the research that has come since Photoshop, it's like eighth grader shit. Right. And I mean, like it's every, it's so pervasive that like, when I think about things like when helping Russell write the column, I'm like, there is no lack of this going on. Right. Like you are going to have so much to write about because it's fucking pervasive. It's everywhere. And so when people are like, Oh, that can't be right. Like most research findings are false. It's like, most implies 50%. I would guess it's far greater than 50%, right? So trying to navigate all of that is really, really challenging. I mean, one of the things about the Bayesian theorem is that you're taking prior knowledge and you're applying it to sort of evaluate the predictability of your hypothesis, right? So like not the data, the hypothesis. And I think what's fucked up is that so much of our prior knowledge, like the information we think of as prior, is wrong. So even if we applied Bayesian methods to it, uh, the bedrock of most modern medicine may not be right. 
So right. So we come at it with the precept, like, like you were talking about earlier, like about a uh, cancer, is it a metabolic disease or is it, uh, um, right. Like back to basics. Like we've overcomplicated right. these things to the point where like, it, it's like taxes, right? Like you should be able to, like, what I loved about Seafried stuff is like, you can explain it and it's really logical. Like you're moving the nucleus, you're moving the mitochondria. What's the difference? What do you get a different reaction? You do. Oh, well, that's something. And when I called around to other scientists and cancer researchers, when I was working on that a million years ago, they were like, oh, well, if that were legit, I would have heard of it. And I'm like, you don't want to look at it? No, I would have heard of it. I don't even know who that guy is. Like, this would upend all of your work. You don't want to take a peek? Like, where's the curiosity, right? Um, uh, tough to believe all this while she's saying as she guzzled some cocoa earlier. I think you must be joking, but I do want to say this on that point. Imagine someone who's smoking a cigarette telling you that smoking is bad and that you shouldn't smoke. And instead of realizing that they're an expert and know what they're talking about, you're so fucking retarded that you call them a hypocrite. Just think about that. Every time like you, you want to like poo poo the messenger, but I have to assume you're joking uh, GP. I have to assume you're joking. And I also want to say to follow up on that. A lot of people thought Greg hated Coke. He had no issues with Coke. He was a free market guy. He hated the fact that they were using their money to um, steal science, to make false claims and false science and to interfere in, in, uh, in science and in the truth. That was his only issue with them. Other than that, he was like, drink away, do what you want. He doesn't have a problem. He has a story that he said to me about how like, if the, you know, if you've got like a crack dealer next door, he's like, I'm not going to yeah. call the cop, you know, right? Like you do your, you're, you're selling your crack. Like, that's fine. You do that. But right. if you come over and you steal my fucking bike, I'm yeah. calling the DEA on you. Right. Like right. Th right. that's how this goes. And that's what happened with Coke. Right. Was that, right. I think he had no, like, go ahead. You drink sugar, you drink soda, you do you and see what happens. I'm going to be over here doing me and helping people. And like, that's fine. I'm not going to, tamper with your business model until they started coming for him. Right. And right, coming for right. everybody at CrossFit, then it became something different. And so, I mean, I, yes, I drink Coke zero all the time, but I'm not at war with Coke and Pepsi right now. I do not drink Coke zero all the time. I do have <laughs> a bang in my refrigerator to drink in case of uh, an emergency. Do you know when monster was at the games, I was with Greg and we were in mm -hmm. uh, Jackson and I was like, oh, look, Monster's a sponsor, right? And we were like deep in the conspiracy theories about who had bought CrossFit. And they're owned like, by Coke. Is Monster Coke or Pepsi? Yeah, Coke. Coke. And he was like, let's do target practice on a bunch of Monster cans. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I was like, can I put it on Instagram? And he was like, no, 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 we're not doing it. We're not doing it. <laughs> and I was like, it's amazing. <laughs> it, is, it is interesting. Um, what CrossFit is having to deal with, uh, you, you know, one of their uh, the darlings of of CrossFit, uh, Brooke Wells, is now t taking money from Snickers Bar, and what happens at that point is now there is going to be some confusion because the the affiliates are supposed to be promoting the cure to the world's most vexing problem, right? You, at the pyramid, you have nutrition, and then you go up, and 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 you, this is a lifestyle methodology, and you know you have your circle of support there you train with and your friends, and it's this community. And now you have the games pushing something that you really wouldn't ever guess you would see being sold in an affiliate, which would be Snicker bars, right? So there is, it is, I, I'm enjoying watching the, um, how Has this is going. No, no one gives a shit. 
as long as she keeps posting pictures of her butt, everyone's cool. I mean, I joke Everyone, with Greg. Settle down, too. people. You're going to get another thirst pick tomorrow. Settle down. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not hating either. I'm not hating either. But I, but I do think it's going to confuse a lot of people. Yeah, well, and I, 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 right, absolutely. And I mean, this goes to the same thing of like the comments, right? Like, is anybody, does anybody care enough anymore to point out the fallacy of what that's all about or why that is not a good role model, right? Or why that's off brand, right? Or whatever you want to call it. Um, right. I mean, I, like, you know, you've heard this before, but like, there's the joke about like the games athletes are like the Franken, like Greg's Frankenstein monsters, right? Like, right. They're, they don't get it necessarily. Right. And they're right. not necessarily driving traffic into the affiliates and they're not like they're their own thing. And that's cool. And it's a spectacle. Right. And it's absolutely marvelous what they can do, but it's not necessarily what CrossFit does for the average person. Right. It's sort of like Greg told me that he, I asked him once, like, why did you go for the like military law enforcement so hard at the beginning? And he was like, I knew if I got those guys, I would get the soccer moms. But if I got right. the soccer moms, I would never get those guys, right? And it's like there is a sort of there's a method to the madness in how you spread the message. And if you've got some poster child out there eating Snickers bars and whatever who's in tip-top shape, it does spread a different message than you might want, right? Versus the person who's lost 100 pounds, who's like, hey, I stopped eating Snicker bars and I stopped drinking soda and I started going to my box and I have all these new friends and I'm healthy and I'm off my meds. And that's a totally different campaign, right? Right, right. And they accomplish different things. Uh, four grams of sugar, high-protein Snicker bar, some would say. CrossFit and their athletes have bent some of these corporations toward providing better options. So, so he, he's got a, uh, uh, like a positive spin on it. It kind of reminds but, – but the thing is is that the brand is built so – the bedrock of the brand is this pyramid. And uh, – and and it's and it's health. And, and you're right. You could say I, I heard someone ask someone the other well, day. I don't think. Sorry, I'm interrupted. Go ahead. No, I don't think that the team's athletes who have tipped the scales. I think it's the millions of CrossFitters who have stopped eating sugar that have caused things to go from being like low fat to low sugar. We see this in products. I don't think that that's the games athletes. I think it's right. the consumer, the market driving the market. Right? Like people right. aren't buying. As diet anymore they're buying shit that says no sugar that's a i think that's a direct downstream effect of how many crossfitters have stopped eating sugar and how many there are in the world right it's right. a market demand. well it's so that's what he's exactly got like a million dollar contract and said like oh can we make a high protein bar they're not gonna fucking do that whereas if right you have and i think i think this guy would agree with you i think this is, so let me let me i know this guy mike calvin i think he would agree with you let me read a four gram let me reread it then with the way you're saying it. a four gram of sugar high protein snicker bar some would say crossfit and their and their crossfit affiliate members have bent some of these corps toward providing better options i think i think he would agree with that and then they're using an athlete who has a lot of followers then to sell it my point is If you if you want to stick to well, there's there's two points. I'll tell you this one. My audience already knows this, but one of the reasons why I can't stand the fact that she's doing this is she made a post about Greg saying I'm out, claiming it was for value for val value she has, and now she sells poison to children. So I'm calling her bullshit. You're like you don't have any values. You sell poison to fucking little boys and girls. You you are you're someone who sells poison to little boys and girls. Like you don't you, you could give two shits about what Greg says. They don't. I don't know how she reconciles that. Right. I'm I'm but but um. 
I don't think if I someone asked the other day, someone, hey, do you think that Joe Biden's too old to be president? And their response was, I've seen 72 year olds who are in worse condition than that 80 year old man. It's like that's not an answer. That's avoiding answering the question. And all I'm saying is and I'm not against Brooke Wells making a shitload of money. I'm, I'm so happy for her that she got it. That, that she's making money. I think it's cool. The more rich people, the better we are. Um, I just, uh, I, I think that the affiliates, if I was an affiliate owner, I would not recommend that snicker bars to anyone to eat ever at any cost under any circumstance, unless they were fucking dying in the desert. But, but Brooke Wells eats it. I know. So that's where I'm suggesting that the message is going to start getting weird. Let me ask you a question. Why do you yeah. think it is? Maybe, maybe, the, maybe I just don't know that there are. But it doesn't seem like there are games athletes who are out really pushing the methodology or the nutrition, right? Like it's, that seems like a just rich, just rich, just Josh Bridges. That's a dying breed. Just Scott Panchik, all the old dudes. I mean, like because, you, rich, like, the most rich has the loudest mass- voice. And say it again. Okay. I was just think that's like a massive opportunity for somebody to sweep up everybody who's experiencing it on a day to day basis. They're doing the this, opposite like, affiliate. These HWPO, these Proven's, this just all, all these groups, they're avoiding saying the CrossFit name. I, I think in the long run, it's going to bite their ass. But you go on to, like, there's all these people out there who are like, CrossFit uh, games athletes don't do CrossFit. But if you go to the largest media YouTube channel in the space, which is CrossFit, the Mayhem Empire, you have Chris, the you have the head programmer over there and Rich Froning saying nonstop, hey, all we do is CrossFit. All we do is CrossFit. All we do is CrossFit. We just do CrossFit. We just do CrossFit. And but everyone else wants to set themselves apart. And I don't know why. I think maybe they got scared or it's their ego or they're afraid that if the brand goes down, they'll go down with it. But really they're just showing their true colors. And I think in the end it bites them in the in the uh in the ass. I think I do too. I, I just think it's like a it like from a marketing perspective or a communication standpoint. It's such a low hanging fruit for them, right? Like I'm doing what you're doing and look like I'm, I'm a goddess and I can do all these crazy things and I'm following the same prescription you are. How cool is that? It connects us, right? Yeah. I see millions of people around the world who are going to be like devoted to you because they're do they're experiencing the same thing you are. It's, it's interesting. Right. It probably is like they don't. They think they're big enough or strong enough that they can go out on their own without the association. And it, that, it, that's slightly naive. Hey, you know or, what would be cool? You know what would be kind of cool to do? There's this CrossFit Games athlete. Her name is Ariel Lowen. And she's a mom. She has a kid. And um, she took 10th at the Games this year. And it's her third. I think it's her third time going to the Games. Second or third. And she said she only entered the games because she wanted to get – she only started up the progress of becoming a games athlete because she wanted one of those placards with her name on it. She had no thought that she would ever actually go to the games. This this girl works out in an – when I had her on the show, I'm like, so what's your training like? She's like, I, I just work out. Call her a woman. What I call her? Girl. Oh. Um, this woman. <laughs> Processing. This woman, this lady, this woman, this woman works out, this woman works out at an affiliate. And when she was on the show, she just, she works out an affiliate and works out with all the people at the affiliate. And then if for some reason they don't cover all the movements she wants to cover, then on the weekends or later on that day, she goes back and supplements it. But this is like not supposed to be able to happen. 
You're not supposed to be able to go to an affiliate, have a baby and go to the CrossFit games. And you're not supposed to be able to do just that programming that Greg Glassman invented. And here she is. We should start a GoFundMe page for her and and see if we could raise a million dollars for her. She's, I mean, that's, that's the best story I've heard. That's great. She's dope. She's dope. She's amazing. What was she, what was she doing before? Was she an athlete before? Uh, uh, she definitely was boning. She got a kid. I don't know. She's just, I don't, I honestly don't. Boning? That was her. What? Is that yeah. What yeah. She was boning. She was making a kid and then she moved across. It. I forget. I don't remember. I just really like her every time she's on the show and I know she has a kid and I know she has a husband and I know she, Oh, go ahead. Yes. Caleb. Hi. She was a gymnast. I think. Oh, okay. Gymnast and in in like a collegiate gymnast. Thank you, Caleb. Did you ever meet Caleb? Yeah. In the beginning of the show. Hi, there Caleb. You. She can't see you, dude. Hey. There you go. There you go. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's like, that feels like it's intangible to me. I'm not going to the CrossFit Games, right? But I see something like that and I'm like, fuck, that's awesome. That that inspires me, right? If uh, if Emily co-hosted this podcast, Sevan would have more sponsors. <laughs> you know that this whole time that I'm just procrastinating the talk I have to give at Brogan, for the Broken Science thing, I haven't written it. And I like, I've got my kids have passports, my closets color coordinated. Like I'm so like procrastination is fucking awesome because I get all this other stuff done. I'll stay on here with you all day so that I don't have to work on what I'm going to say at the event. That being said, we have to go. <laughs> hey um but we this this went way better than i thought we get along better on um podcasts than we do in real life i don't know i love you at cilantro's yeah i love you at cilantro's too but this is pretty damn good we're pretty good together i'm here for you baby whatever you need okay why don't you come to the event and we can do another one in person oh, oh that would be cool hey tell me um do you think that the balloon was, was really let me just let me ask you this about the balloon you think the balloon was really a chinese I'm balloon no sorry <laughs> you think the balloon was really a chinese balloon Yes, I do. You do? Okay. All right. I don't trust anything anymore. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Chinese I actually balloon. thought it might be an EMP, and that's why we weren't shooting it down. What's an EMP? The electromagnetic pulse thing that takes out the grid. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. Those are cool. So. Those are cool. I got Jimmy Waddell putting a go bag together for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I give a hundred pounds of rice. That's all I got. <laughs> I was like, Jimmy, I like definitely want the sat phone. I want all the shit, but my real thing is that you're going to come get me if shit hits the fan. Right. And he's like, well, maybe that's why you need some communication tools. Right. And I'm like, oh <laughs> boy, everyone. God, that's what sucks about having money. You start to get scared too early. All right. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the dick socks. Thank you for the hat. My pleasure. We were approaching the longest show in history. I appreciate you. Thanks for all the money. Thanks for making people pay money. What? You make a lot of money? Yeah, I think I did good. I think I'm going to go eat now, eat out now. I don't, what you and Haley do is your business. Okay, so fine. Uh, Ooh, nasty. All right. I'll see you in a couple weeks in uh, Arizona. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Caleb. Hey. False flag incoming. State of the Union announcing martial law. <laughs> Balloon was misdirection. Something else is going on. There's always <clears throat> something else going on.
That's true. Okay. Do you want to say anything about that show? It was awesome. It was really okay. cool. I enjoyed listening to her talk. It was a. Uh, She's fucking cool. smart, huh? There's a lot of smart people that come is on she, the show. Is she an she's an attorney? Yeah. No. I, oh. I don't think she's an attorney. I mean, she may have her law degree, but I don't think she's a practicing attorney. That's for sure. She's basically just a, she's I shouldn't say just she's a reporter. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. She, I just, she's I, a reporter I just, turned though, but she really does do some crazy high profile shit now where she she she'll beat people down who need a beat down. So like like people who are trying to do dumb shit to Greg, like she she will come after them and beat you down and ruin your life. Yeah. Like, she seems really good at the job. She she like definitely gave me attorney vibes. Yeah, yeah. Look at we already made oh shit, the estimated revenue of the show is four tenths of one penny. Usually that estimated mm -hmm. revenue doesn't show up for like a couple days. Wow, that was a huge show. God yeah. she drew a lot of viewers. I had no idea. I thought it would be a tiny show. I think people understood the gravity of her coming on. The uh, the Greg Whisperer? Yeah. I'm trying to see who we have on tomorrow. I think we have a live call-in show tomorrow. I, what do you, oh, shit. My wife is telling me. Uh, do you think I'll be able to go to Yoga at 11? Yes. Yes. Uh, 11 a.m. is okay. I'm done. We have a, oh, a live calling show. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be cool if um, uh, uh, oh, someone someone just sent me a text saying Trish is woke. Uh, Trish, are you woke? They're sending me. Some content that you erase somewhere. Don't be woke, Trish. Don't be woke. Come to the light. Over uh, $500 donated to not pay Caleb and Sousa. Good. Thank <laughs> you for giving me the uh, okay on that. And she has good tacos. Oh, tatas? You couldn't see her tatas in the show, could you? I didn't no see her chance. tatas. She's wearing a whole turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I thought it was Greg who was coming on. I almost anticipated him to show up for a little bit. Me too. When she said that, I sent him a link. Not yet. Trish is smart. Hey, this is Dick is Dick is like a Tata sniffer. That's awesome. You just you're like, I could just tell. <laughs> uh, does Emily uh, do conflict mitigation? Didn't she say Pfizer tried to contact her to help her out? That's not exactly what she said. But she alluded that they could use her help. Yeah, she uh, – no, I don't know what she – she basically I, – I, she's basically a fixer but not in the traditional sense. She's she's She helps protect people. She helps people when they're uh, being attacked by the woke mob even though she want, doesn't like that word. I'll use it. Um, she helps uh, them you know, tell their truth and show that, that it was a lie. I mean she knows, she knows who the liars are out there. She has a master's degree in journalism. Thank you. Mm. Someone, someone was listening. Am I late? No, no. You're just in time. She'll be on any second, Tyler. Hang tight. She just had to go drop a deuce. 
I thought I was hoping someone would call in and, and just ask a doozy, a bunch of pussies out there today. Yeah, I think everybody was either too scared to ask or they just really wanted to listen to her talk. There was some guy named Wonton, obviously a fake account, claiming that they knew Greg and trying to bash him, but once again wouldn't say anything. I thought it was so interesting. They either attacked Eric Utley or Eric Wise or something and said, you're, you're, you're intellectually lazy. I'm like, dude, you haven't said anything. Yeah, everything he said was super vague and like would it had no substance whatsoever. Yeah, you and your fake ass account. There's a lot of he was just making a lot of assumptions, I think. You didn't think I wanted calls, but I was just letting the number scroll across the bottom yeah. the whole time. Yeah, I saw that up there and I said, okay, here we go. Yeah, I thought uh wanton uh ding dong. Wanton ding dong. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, she's intimidating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've hung out with her a lot, maybe 40 times. And we'll usually gravitate to each other. If the if the room gets noisy and we need someone to hang out with, I'll gravitate towards her and we, we can hang out. She's cool. She knows a lot. She says she's a smarty pants, that's for sure. And she's good, she's good people. She wants to help people. Oh, Andrew Weinschnitzel burner account. Oh God. I think he's moved on. He's 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 left the house. He never even did grow CrossFit. He just did it for the clout. Uh wanton with typical lib accusations, uh racist, misogyny, white privilege, etc. Yeah. Yeah, he was like everybody's glad that he left. <laughs> Like, I don't believe that. Maybe someone, one of the wrenches banned him too. I don't know. It's kind of fun keeping a hater in the, in the ranks. Yeah. I wanted to cut him out, but I was, I just thought it was just let him, let him talk, let him talk his shit. Trish, are you woke? I just got this text talking from someone's, uh, uh, a spy in the audience that you posted something on the, uh, Sarah Sigmund's daughter. Um, uh, you use the word toxic. You use the, you like the word toxic. Toxic. Oh, and you deleted your comment, Trish. It's not cool. The hell, Trish. Uh, Seven. Where are the news shows? I need to make more thumbnails. Oh, where are the new shows? Oh, okay. I'll get on Susan on that. Uh, the, let me see. Do we not have them? Uh. Let me see. Yeah, let I think me we, have, we have a bunch of them posted on StreamYard. Bruce has been making um, the thumbnails for us, which is awesome. Okay, so tomorrow we have the live call-in show. Oh, and that's it. And you want uh, and uh, then we have uh, Chris Cooper. Then we have the world's greatest squash player. Uh, then we have a Dave Castro show. Those aren't your thumbnails, though. You usually make the crazy ones, right? You make the like the ones that are more wild. Like, did you make that Pope Mobile one, Bruce? That one's crazy. No, that one's mine. Oh, you made that? That one's nuts. Who made the one with Alex Caceres kicking me in the head? And I have the Sevon Podcast logo on my back. <laughs> no, that wasn't me, though. I'm in Bruce. That one's awesome. That's <laughs> dope. Uh, when it when Greg on. When Greg on. Yeah, Kimmy, Jimmy Kimmel friendship is very strange. He is a 
a nasty, nasty uh, human being. Don't be surprised when he dies from some sort of cardiac pulmonary fucking disaster. Uh, so capable child videos, they end up like newsletter videos, relics. Of, no, no, I put one up yesterday, Kenneth. <laughs> Quiet, Caleb. Don't, don't entertain that. I put one up yesterday. I put up a capable child video yesterday. And the newsletter, we stopped paying the guy, and he said he would keep doing it even if we stopped paying him, but he didn't. He said, he was one of those people was like, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for the money. I was like, oh, cool, then I won't pay you. And then the newsletter stopped. Interesting. Graciano Rubio. Hey, it all comes down to this, dude. I, the podcast comes first. And if I can't figure out a way to do both, I, I just can't. I can't. The podcast. Uh, Sousa and uh, uh, my wife will be there. But I am dedicated to the podcast. All right. I'm off to the skate park. I, I, I might do a two-day fast today. I think I, I mean, I know I am. I didn't eat yesterday. I'm not going to eat today. Nice. Yeah. Dude, I need to cleanse a little bit. Purge. Is that what that's called? Purge? Purging's out. Purging would mean vomit. Oh, all right. I don't think you're purging. No. Uh, excuses. Uh, priorities. You mean priorities. I love you guys. You too, Bruce. You're a good dude. Uh, Trish, start coaching and you will have all kinds of... Okay. But I see. Uh, thank you. I worked at the Oots Pretzel Factory as a young girl. I lost my hair on a machine once. Wow. You absolved me of my sins. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Caleb, thank you. See you tomorrow for the live call show. Sounds good. Everyone else. Thank you, Eric. Great show. Great to see you guys. Bye-bye.